You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Hey, what's up, people? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to the Co-op Podcast, episode 243. Now, as you can see, Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. is not here today because he's he's uh, today he's traveling to San Francisco for GDC, the Game Developer Conference. So uh, we're you know we're we're looking forward to all the you know the news stories and um, all the information and tidbits that. You know he manages to get from that event and everything but um big shouts to him and definitely make sure you guys tweet him and let him know what you want to see and what you want to learn for, about the gdc conference this year but i am here with mr uh, jake james lugo how you doing jj i'm doing good gary uh rich is over there working hard because we're, we're hitting up a lot of events real soon so rich is at gdc now doing stuff then we got pax east coming up there's a lot of stuff happening so I'm here. I'm ready to talk some gaming news because there's a lot that also happened too. Indeed, indeed. We, you know, the coalition is always everywhere at every event. So, yeah, I look forward to PAX East as well. Uh, and we're also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How you doing, Dana? Yeah, you good? To mute. Button. It's hard to get to. Hi, everyone. I'm doing great. I don't know what the other question was. Woohoo! Good to know. Um, Max, Mr. Max Muller will be joining us later on as well. Uh, you know, he's just traveling at the moment also. But yeah, let's get uh, straight into what we've been doing, what we've been playing this week. So me personally, I'll start because I haven't really been doing much. I've been playing Overwatch, of course, and I've been following the Overwatch League very closely. As some of you know, I also write about the League as well. Um, there was a few interesting things that happened since I was uh, last on the show because obviously I missed it last week. But um, one of the, the major players from the Dallas Fuel named XQC, who's also a big Twitch streamer for Overwatch, he was actually banned because he, you know, he actually got into an incident with a friend of ours, Malik. Now, Malik Forte... He, he's actually the host for the Overwatch League. So he opens the show and, you know, he he basically amps up the crowd throughout, you know, the uh, the broadcast and everything like that. And uh, because the way Twitch is, like, they uh, there's a chat for every stream. Of course, um, if you're familiar with tri- Twitch, you'll know that. And what was happening was every time Malik came on screen, the chat would spam the TryHard 7 uh, emote which is basically uh, you know they're implying oh it's a black guy so they're putting the try hard emote because that's you know it represents a black guy because it actually is a black guy so uh, this is like a global twitch thing that happens like anytime a black person pops up on a stream the, the chat the people in the chat seem to just spam that emote in there um, and Malik actually addressed that on air like he made light of it and he was like you know, um, I think he was talking about something about Bastion or something in the game. And he was like, you guys let me know what you think of Bastion after you're done spamming in the tryhard in the chat. 
So he, you know, he actually brought attention to it, made light of it because he knew that, you know, whenever he pops up on screen, uh, the, you know, the stupid people twit, the, the, the Twitch viewers who are, you know, um, stupid like that, they're going to spam that emote. And, uh, XQC actually encouraged people to use the emote. Now, XQC claimed that he didn't know that it was racist and stuff, but, you know, he was suspended from, um, Dallas Fuel and then later on he actually was released from Dallas Fuel so now he's no longer in the league and uh, Malik actually took to Twitter as well to address it and say that he doesn't think XQC is racist but he's just ignorant and doesn't understand you know basically uh, there's a lot more to unpack with that so if you really are interested in that story definitely go and see what happened because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, XQC is also, you know, he, he does this a lot. Like he's very controversial. He does, you know, he says stupid things. He says things without thinking sometimes. And he's been in trouble a lot already. Um, he actually made reference to one of the other, he made a homophobic, homophobic statement against one of the other uh, Overwatch players one time. So he was suspended for that previously as well. So, yeah, um, a lot of controversy going on with Overwatch League, but there's also a lot of great games happening as well, um, particularly this week when Seoul Dynasty went up against New York Excelsior. I would uh, urge everyone to go check out that match because that was incredible, one of the best Overwatch matches that has ever been broadcast. But, um, yeah, that's it for my Overwatch update this week. Um, besides that, I've been playing Tekken 7, on PS4 I finally decided to get on that a little bit and I'm really enjoying that at the moment um, I think that's about it I don't think I played anything else so yeah just Overwatch and Tekken 7 and that's pretty much it from me um, Dana what have you been playing this week I have barely even been home um, does Candy Crush count <laughs> that counts is it the, some Candy Crush. I've been inundated with um, interviews and movie screenings. I, I didn't know people still play Candy Crush. Is it like still the exact same version or is there a new version? Oh, not the crush of the candy. Um, it's pretty much the same. Just a little bit of the rule change. You know, you have that, you do the limited um, five lives and then you have to wait the two hours in order for your life to replenish, basically. And And that's about it. No, no one big. Nothing really big. Okay. I guess but it's convenient could... on travel. When you're like on the bus, in the train, you just put it on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mobile games, are def they definitely fill the void, you know, when when you have uh, that free time and you just want to use it up. Like, that, that's perfect. Perfect time to get into some mobile games. Uh, yeah. Words with Friends is my go-to for that. I haven't oh. played that in so long. Yeah, they, they just launched a new version of that, which is cool. Oh, wow, I haven't played Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's go to JJ, because I'm sure you've been up to a lot since the last time you was on. 
So what have you been yes, up to? Yes, I have. Yeah, I've been pretty busy. But before I even get into that, I, I want to make one quick little sub comment uh, on some of the stuff you mentioned that was going on with the Overwatch League and Malik. Uh, shout outs to Malik, you know, obviously a friend of our shows, friend here of the coalition. We've had him on uh, a variety of different shows, including TK Spotlight, to throw down a few other spots. I have to give him props, and I think everybody should give him props for handling a lot of that uh, professionally. And, you know, clapping back in the way that he did class with, with class, because uh, I have no sympathy for a lot of the, the, the stories that come out about different players and profession, professional gamers that, that get in trouble like that for some of the different things when they encourage that type of behavior because they're in tune with the community. And sometimes they're usually the ones that kind of add coal and add fuel to the fire. And it's good uh, not only that that, per- that particular player that you mentioned got punished, you know, and it kind of, you know, it would have been better for someone like him to go to bat. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe approach things a little bit differently for someone like Malik or anybody else for that matter. Not just Malik. It could have been any other host because that's the type of stuff that gives the bad impressions of a lot of these gaming communities and stuff. So shout outs to Malik for handling it in the way that he did. And anybody or any other company that holds that against him and stuff is completely missing the point of why that went down the way it went down. It's just a shame to see a lot of that type of stuff, especially towards someone who's a person of color, you know, someone who's a minority and and someone that's different than a lot of the other stuff that we get out there in the various parts of the gaming industry uh, still have to deal with nonsense like that but props to him for being professional being big enough and being mature enough than a lot of the other people including that professional player to handle something like that so just wanted to add that little supplemental thought because I thought it was important but yeah le- like let me uh, mm-hmm. just add on to that as well because like what really annoys me about this situation is like because I know a lot of intelligent and smart people watch Twitch and you know the Overwatch League and everything but it's like it's only those ignorant people you know in the chat that are you know being represented and then people take that and think that you know twitch is stupid or it's racist like you know it's a bad representation for people who enjoy the twitch experience because you know now the whole world thinks they're racist because they're always spamming this thing you know, but that's that's really not a representation of the entire community. Community and, and shame, shame on the players, including that player that 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 kind of dance around and kind of you know tease a little bit of that stuff and kind of perpetuate it. Because you're right, and and like I said, I have no sympathy for the players that engage in that type of stuff because they're smart enough. They're they're part of the community. They're they're out there. They're they're in the know. They're kind of immersed within that culture, and they should know, especially that player when they saw that. Okay, because to me, that whole I don't I didn't know that that was. Uh, racist or whatnot that, that that's an excuse to me and I find that there's too many excuses and there needs to be more consequences and stuff like that so gl- good on the Overwatch League and all the people who made that decision to punish him in the way that they did you know even though he might not be a racist but he was stupid enough to kind of you know not be in the know of and not recognize some of that stuff that was as it was happening but either way yeah. I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here let, let me get back on to what I was originally going to say uh, about stuff that I've been doing because I've been really busy. I've been really kind of doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of content up on the coalition.com now for you guys listening uh, during the live show or afterwards when you check this out on the archives on YouTube or on the website. We have a lot of crazy content. We have a lot of new interviews, you know, with TK Spotlight stuff, a lot of exclusive interviews, a lot of unboxings I've been a part of, and also a lot of reviews. I mean, again, to earlier today, just before we started recording this, I just put up the unboxing and impressions for the new set for the Final Fantasy trading card game, Opus 5. I also put up uh, stuff for the, the streaming mic from Turtle Beach we have up there now. We even got some other modded and custom controller stuff that you guys are going to want to check out. As far as games, you know, specifically as far as uh, reviews, we have reviews already up now for Yakuza 6 that we got mad early. 
you know, luckily enough for us that we were able to put that review up. We have a review coming up tomorrow as of, uh, I want to say about 9 a.m., I think is when the embargo drops, for Nino Kuni 2. And as well as also Attack on Titan 2, even though we were trying to get that out uh, last week, or at least, you know, the week that just passed. But we want to make sure that, you know, everything gets some time to shine because there's been a lot happening all over the place we have fear effects fear effects sedna again another game that i was able to review there's a lot of stuff that you guys need to check out we're out here in these streets doing something and we're, we're making a lot of stuff happen and even now rich he's over at gdc <laughs> you know stuff is going down and also to kind of cap everything off i've been planning out our coverage for pax east because i'm leaving for pax east in a few weeks and i got a couple cool exclusives that i got in the works that are going to be pretty dope for everybody very very soon probably when i'm out there and it might go up afterwards when i get back from pax east and then finally just as a one final thought we have two new uh tk spotlight episodes with some very big youtube personalities including rich from review tech usa he gave us a nice big shout out to the website so really big up stand for doing that you know so more people could check out more of our content and stuff so i've been pretty busy <laughs> i've been doing some crazy stuff or whatnot yeah a lot of great content on the way it sounds like um definitely check out that tk spotlight with you know richard uh from review tech usa um and i'm really looking forward to you know finally playing uh nino kuni 2 and um hopefully maybe in the future we'll even have a discussion about that on turn we're gonna need to I, I can't say much on it now but we're gonna need to have a discussion about it like i'll tell you off camera but but i'm telling you we're gonna have to talk about this with everybody for sure but yeah um now everyone's up to date with what we've been doing what we've been playing so let's dive right into some of these topics because there's a lot to discuss today so um first of all just a quick one um did you guys get a chance to see Geralt from the witcher and soul caliber 6 yep yes i did and it's a cool announcement very cool announcement from bandai namco yeah very cool and this is what i really like about soul caliber the fact that you know it's it's a japanese fighting game but they incorporate a lot of westernized characters into it you know they've done star wars characters in the past and everything and now they're implementing the witcher and what's extra cool about it is like you know it's a it's a rpg character that you really wouldn't expect to see in this type of game so that adds a whole new cool element to it and i'm sure that will actually get a lot more people interested in the game as well um but did you think that, you know, these uh, these crossovers and these characters coming into, you know, a lot of these fighting games, do you think that it's becoming a gimmick or do you think that this is actually a really good practice and that it open it, it actually opens people's eyes to fighting games and gets more people interested into it? Uh, that question is for you, JJ. Uh, I think that this is something very, very good because it's only gotten better with time. The best one right now, like, let's keep it all 100. The best people that are doing this is NetherRealm Studios. The guys who are doing Mortal Kombat and Injustice. They they understand it. They get characters or they, they go to companies to get characters that make sense with what they're building with that game. So all the comic characters that were guests, Hellboy, the, the, the Ninja Turtles, all those characters appearing in Injustice 2 made sense. Even though some of these guest uh, collaborations are a little bit random, especially with like Tekken 7 with Noctis and even Geese and Akuma appearing in Tekken 7 like that. They're still cool and interesting and it gets people excited about these games again and again and again. So Geralt, 
or Garol, again, I always pronounce it wrong, of being in Soul Calibur Six is another example of that, which makes sense. It's a pretty cool and interesting collaboration you wouldn't expect. I think right now in 2017, 2018, we're kind of like in an age where collaborations like this are a lot more easier to do and a lot more possible and can be realistic with companies you wouldn't expect to collaborate with each other. Because look what happened with Ubisoft and Final Fantasy 15. I mean, we had an Assassin's Creed collaboration with a Final Fantasy game. Like, that's years ago that would have been insane you would have been like no there's no way because they're two totally different games now things like that are possible what i would be interested to know though in relation to soul Calibur 6 and hopefully bandai namco could listen to this at some point if they could get other characters that were guests not not too many but doing the same lines of like what injustice 2 and netherrealm studios is doing and still get other characters that again you get more crossover like that because with tekken 7 you have uh, Akuma, which is a Capcom character. You have Geese Howard, which is a, a SIK character. And you have Noctis, which is a Square Enix character. That's three companies on top of Bandai Namco that are collaborating together to have their characters interact with each other in a fighting game, whatever have you. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo here and there. I want to see the same thing done with Soul Calibur Six because this is what works. This is what's really been doing some stuff that's really getting people excited and it's been very cool overall and the quality hasn't suffered because of it. I would love to see another RPG character or even something crazy for Soul Calibur 6 because we got uh, uh, Geralt, or Geralt from uh, The Witcher. What's to stop them from getting like a Dark Souls character or to stop them from getting like the Bloodborne uh, character or, or anything that's of similar nature that could work within the Soul Calibur worlds or going back to Ubisoft and getting another Assassin's Creed character from Assassin's Creed Origins. Again, the list and the possibilities and the potential is there, but I want to see them execute on it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I definitely want to see, you know, the, um, the, this sort of crossover happen a lot more frequently. And, um, that brings me to a question I have for Dana. Um, Dana, are there any like fictional characters from like any universe you can think of? Cause I know you watch a lot of movies and you read a lot and stuff. Like which characters would you like to see crossover into a fighting game like Soul Calibur or Mortal Kombat or, you know, any of the, the major fighting games? <laughs> the randomness of movies. Um, I think that for a maybe for a good fighting game, I would like to see uh, one of the Lord of the Ring characters. I don't know, something like that. Like Gandalf or something. Maybe Gandalf. Like yeah, Gandalf would be good. I'm surprised you didn't say Harry Potter. No, why? Why would I say Harry Potter? At least maybe like one of the orcs. The orcs is good. Get down, nitty gritty. Yeah, that's actually a good one, you know, like having some of the fantasy characters, maybe even someone from Game of Thrones or something like that would be pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so that that would be good. I would, but for me, I think I think that you know, as was previously said, if it's done smartly, then it's then it's good. But sometimes you get these random things, and it feels like it's a gimmick to me. Yeah. So. I'm not like a huge fan of it, but I did like what they did with the turtles. And like at first, I was like, "Why? What's going on? I don't understand." But then, when you see it, it makes sense. Yeah, so, I never actually got to see that one in action, but um, that is pretty cool that the turtles yeah. were in the game. For me, as long as it's done smart, then I have no problem with it. It makes it more fun, and you know, that's how you get to learn about other games and other characters. So. I'm for that kind of expanded universe of things. Cool. And just to end it off, JJ, is there like any sort of 
fighting game crossover that you want to see that hasn't been done yet? You're muted. Maybe he had to step away. Okay, yeah, he had to step away. So, yeah, um, let's keep it moving. And uh, let's get right into... Um, no, I'll save that till he's back. Okay, so Twitch Prime is now including free games into the subscription now, which means, you know, if you... Have, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can link your Twitch account to it, and then you will be a Twitch Prime subscriber. And if you, you know, if you download the Twitch app, you'll now have access to free games every month. So it's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of like Xbox Live Gold Games and PlayStation Plus. Like now, you're actually getting free games. Uh, the first game that they offered up was the Devil May Cry Remaster. Uh, which I still need to actually download myself. But um, this is pretty cool that Twitch is kind of, you know, now getting into this whole subscription thing and giving away games, and they're tying it into Twitch itself. So that's kind of like making the Twitch brand even stronger. Um, so I, I just wanted to see if you guys had any thoughts on this business decision. Um, JJ, go ahead, since you're back. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it works well, and it's going to go, do good for that community, especially the people that spend a lot of time on Twitch and also put money into Twitch Prime like that, and also put you know do sponsorships and and, and bits bit cheers for all the people that they they like watching and stuff. That's going to be cool. It'd be nice for them to get more value. It's always going to be dependent on uh, also the types of games that they provide. Because again, the Devil May Cry collection is pretty cool, but what other games are they going to do? Is there going to be a publisher or a company that goes to Twitch and be like, hey, listen, we're doing, uh, we're releasing a certain game very soon. We want to do a collaboration with you to, to kind of allow people to get a discount or even get a free copy or some bonus DLC for being on Twitch Prime. You know, something like that. I feel like that's the next step that we'll probably see at some point if it hasn't happened already. Or, or even getting some companies to go to Twitch and find out some of their biggest uh, channels or their biggest partners and then working with them from there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. There's a lot that they could do with that, you know, because um, I know they've already been like giving away uh, like in-game items and stuff. Like you could get a loot box for Overwatch and stuff like that just by being a Twitch Prime subscriber. Um, so like there's so many ways that, that they can, you know, tie this into the actual Twitch experience as well, you know, because um, now you can actually subscribe to Twitch channels and stuff using the service. And, you know, the uh, I believe the Twitch streamer gets money from that as well. So like all that stuff is pretty cool that they're tying it into the actual Twitch experience. And like you said, there's many ways that they could expand on that and maybe even you know partner with some of the streamers to offer giveaways for watching a certain streamer or something or a certain broadcast like there's very there's a lot of things they can do with that um so i fully support the the twitch prime movement right now and i think it's great what they're doing uh do you have any thoughts on it dana yeah i also want to say this um until march 31st if you already have a prime um subscription then you'll you're able to get five extra games with the Twitch subscription. So if you have both, I guess it's like a total of ten games. So that's pretty cool. Um, I like this, and it's a great way to build up, you know, their market. And I know a lot of people who go over to Twitch because right now YouTube is a hot mess. 
And Twitch is taking advantage of it, and so are the people. So I think this is great for them. Um, I hope they don't screw it up. So I'm all for it. Uh, one final thought I want to add on to this. The thing that happened recently with, with uh, Ninja and Drake, even though I, I have my own thoughts on it, it, it sometimes could be a little bit silly. Stuff like that because of the perception of it and because there's so many people watching the stream and being on the platform, that's only going to help this because of word of mouth. That's only going to allow people or at least entice people to be more on board with things like this or be able to, uh, what is it, take on a subscription like that on top of the extra free value. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like... Even though that that was so clearly orchestrated, like Twitch, yeah, I mean, I mean Drake playing, um, you know, Fortnite on Twitch and everything, it's still great just because it puts so much eyeballs onto Twitch. And um, go ahead, Dana. No, I just, I don't. Everyone keeps saying that it was orchestrated. The guy knows him. He has his own Twitch account. He he's on Fortnite. Drake itself, he plays Fortnite. So I just think it's really funny how it was like but came thing, together. Like, Everything. That's not my beef with it, though, to be honest with you. My beef with it, really, or why I don't like it as much is because, you know, those types of, like, you know, big collaborations and stuff that happen in other industries more frequently. And I think it's cool that we get it every once in a while in the gaming industry. But then as soon as that happened, all of a sudden now, all these other places and all these other people like Post Malone and a few other uh, rappers and artists here and there, now all of a sudden now it becomes a thing where they start bringing up gaming and stuff. Yet they didn't care about that before. And I well, feel like... It's, it can... If there's fans, if you listen to Post Malone and he's like, oh, Fortnite, I just played it. Then their fans are going to say, what the heck is Fortnite? And they're going to start playing it as well. I don't see how this is something negative. You're bringing more eyes to the gaming industry. And right now, when it's being assaulted by the White House and being blamed for murders, I think that's something that's needed. I think I think it's being tokenized. That's the thing. And I feel like there's more that could be done and even better stuff that could be done on top of that. You know, I'm all down for them getting the eyes on it. That's not I'm not that's not my problem with it. And I think that's fine. And that's cool. And Danny, but I feel like there should be stuff done even more. There should be other things that happen rather than just that one random time that all of a sudden now everybody's writing about this stuff on like Kotaku and like other places. And then at that one moment, all these artists just care about that stuff. But beforehand, I'm not really seeing that same energy. But isn't that the same form of like a, a classism within the gaming community? Oh, you can only uh, be a fan of this or something of gaming itself. If you started when you was a kid, you can't start when um, Drake randomly started playing. Or no, you can't I just because- I just feel like it doesn't become it doesn't look genuine to me. It doesn't look genuine, and it becomes something that's just that shock value. It's like the same thing with Lupe Fiasco beating Daigo. In, in Street Fighter Five, like again, there was something about that that you look at it. Granted, there's all this excitement stuff that just didn't feel authentic to me. And I was like, okay, it's cool, you're great. It broke Twitch records. It was all this uh, stuff and fine and dandy. But I feel like there should be more be done there, and there should be other stuff that's just like again that, that to just make moments like that even more special because there's all this other stuff behind it, or there's other stuff alongside of it for us to get excited about. Okay. Yeah. That's just my opinion. It's just my subjective opinion. And again, a lot of people might disagree with me on that. But again, that's just how it comes off to me when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I think we can agree that it's it's a good thing that, you know, they are bringing those eyeballs to Twitch. But, you know, um, the, the, the tough part of that is keeping that attention on Twitch. Because, you know, are those people just going to leave as soon as their favorite celebrity stops playing the game or whatever? Are they actually going to get invested into what Twitch is? You know, and I think that's uh, that's the, the 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 main thing to take away from this. Because yeah, Drake played Fortnite, but then how many 
of those viewers did Twitch retain after, you know, like, are there, are those people going to still come back and watch Ninja and, you know, all the other Twitch streamers out there, or are they just going to leave, you know, like, cause basically they're just Drake fans at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. And I also want to, you know, give some recognition to DJ Academics, who's like a big hip hop figure at the moment. You know, he's, uh, he, he got popular on YouTube creating videos about, you know, hip hop and music news stories and everything. But most recently, he's actually brought a show over to Twitch where he just, you know, he just talks. He doesn't even play games. He just talks. And I think the more people start doing that, because, you know, he's not the only one. But the more, the more people start doing that, I think the quicker we're going to see a lot of people transition from YouTube over to Twitch. And um, I think that's kind of what everybody is hoping happens right now with all of this, uh, you know, chaos with uh youtube's monetary system you know the monetization and everything it's it's kind of really bad at the moment on youtube so i think a lot of people actually want to see that transition happen um and i want to ask you jj do you think that this is something that's you know really going to happen in the future like is twitch going to be the the new youtube no, I don't think so. And that's because YouTube right now is the platform everybody's dependent on. And it's the number one spot for archived footage. Now, don't get me wrong. Let's let's acknowledge that Twitch has been on the up and up when it comes to doing more with archived stuff and like, you know, backlog stuff with your Twitch streams. There's other things I feel like that are, you know, getting better about the platform itself. But then at the same time, I, I hear a lot of creators and I talk with a lot of other creators that go on multiple platforms and they say that there's still inherent issues that they have with Twitch that, uh, you know, impacts their content and stuff. So they prefer to stay on YouTube. So I think it's a case by case basis. Do I think the landscape is going to change within the next five to 10 years? Possibly. Of course, I feel like as things get a little bit better and they offer more value, like the stuff with the Amazon Prime stuff, with the Twitch Prime stuff, all those different things are going to add up. And eventually, you know, you're going to see that real heavy, real stiff competition, as well as stuff from outside forces. But I don't think YouTube is going to be going away as like the dominant platform for everybody because everybody's dependent on it. You know, you can't you can't go out there and try to build a brand or try to build yourself up as a personality, whether it's gaming or otherwise, and not be on YouTube. It's one of those mandatory pieces of social media that you got to be a part of. And everybody knows that. And I think also Google and YouTube knows that specifically. So, uh, again, if that wasn't the case, you know, granted, we had Drake appear on a Twitch stream like that. But all these artists, including some of their management and some of their other companies and, and sponsors, they're still on YouTube. I don't think anybody's going to drop YouTube and take the plunge over to Twitch and just go hard like that completely. Okay. You got any final thoughts on that, Dana? I think that what JJ said is accurate, that, you know, people are not going to abandon YouTube. I don't see, and I'm not saying it's too big to fail, but I don't see it in the near future. Not right now. I do think Twitch is going to be a healthy alternative. I think it's going to, you know, be around. I don't see it, you know, right now at this moment, I don't see like see it failing. Anything can happen. But for right now, I think, you know, number one is going to always probably be YouTube. And number two is going to be Twitch. And it's not really a problem with that. And I think if you get more celebrities to hop over onto Twitch, that you're going to have something that's really big. People seem to forget celebrities can make or break a business. If you just look at what Kylie Jenner alone did with, with Snap, with Snapchat, 
then you see how powerful celebrities can be. Now, again, not saying that you know, Twitch will overtake YouTube. In no shape or form will that ever happen. Fair enough. I would like to hear uh, what the, the listeners think of that. So definitely leave your comments and let us know what you think, especially those people in the chat right now. Um, shouts to Ruthless Randoms, who's in there. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next topic. So Sega actually announced Sonic Mania Plus. So I'm going to hand over to JJ right now so he can let us know what this is about and what we can look forward to. So yeah, nothing too crazy, but but basically they they teased two new projects, or, or I guess you could say two new games. One of which, Sonic Mania Plus, is a, a new version of Sonic Mania where it's going to have extra content and two new playable characters, which is cool. You know, more Sonic Mania. Everybody loves Sonic Mania. Dana did the review for it. She loved Sonic Mania a lot. So we all love Sonic Mania in some form or fashion. So more of that, they could give us more stages, more characters, and more music. I'm down with it. That's cool. Now, the other thing that they tease that they still haven't given a lot of details about is a new racing game that's coming from Sega. Now, some people, because of the tease, it was like a 30-second tease or so. It's very, very ambiguous, where they show the R, which is very similar to Sonic, Sonic R or Sonic Racing R from way back. I believe it was on the Saturn. Uh, yeah, it was on the Saturn. Uh, from uh, was it basically it's the Sonic the Hedgehog characters racing against each other? Now, if you don't already know, if you didn't play it, there's been a Sega and All Star Racing's Transform game that's been out for quite some time. Again, they had two games already, and I think a, a remixed version of the second game that came out on like the Wii U and other platforms. I think that that's another entry into that series. I think it's not just going to be uh, what is it? Sonic characters, I think that they, they, they'd be smart to do that, but uh, I think it's going to be heavily kind of like geared towards Sonic characters, like that's going to be the central point, especially with how big Sonic has been with the last couple games that have come out with him, but you're still going to get that other Sega flair, because there's a lot of different franchises that Sega could pull from, so hopefully very soon, I don't know the exact date where they're going to reveal it, but we'll get some more details about that soon, because we just don't have enough info at the moment. Awesome. Um, so before I get into... Uh one of the questions i had about sega uh dana do you have anything to add to to that on this news yes as jj said i love the game i was on um tony's uh tk the, the throwdown thing um almost cried while playing it it was extremely beautiful so this is all great news to me and sonic racing games are very underrated and i think they get overshadowed by the mario kart these are very great games, and they're just enjoyable. They're very fun. I'm looking forward to any racing game that they decide to put out. So this is all great news for me. Cool. That's great news for Sonic fans. I still need to actually pick up Sonic Mania myself. Um, it's been on my list for a while because, you know, I, I love 2D Sonic. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of 3D Sonic, so... Um, and that game is definitely geared towards, you know, classic Sonic fans, so... I need to pick that up for sure. Um, but continuing with Sega, they also announced a new Sega Genesis collection. And there's been um, some, you know, not really controversy, but some people are a little angered by the fact that this is the only one of their collections that they've released that doesn't have Sonic 3 in it. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, is there any logical reason for that? Because every one of these um, Genesis collections so far has had all three Sonic games, you know, and Sonic and Knuckles as well. So 
Yeah, I'm wondering like why was this decision to you know suddenly leave out Sonic Three? Some people are speculating that they're going to sell it separately as some sort of DLC or something of that nature, and I think that's really unfair if they do that because they've already sold this collection before. So、um, JJ, do you have any? Knowledge of that? Yes. Well, I have thoughts on.、It. I don't know if I have knowledge on it because it's very hard to say. I don't think that they're just going to completely drop that game because you know it's it's been part of a lot of different Genesis collections over time. There's been other off-brand like compilations that have dropped Sonic Three and in favor of Sonic and Knuckles, which again you can't really have one game without the other because that's a complete、uh, package when you have the two of them together. Like again, part one, part two. But also, maybe that also has something to do with a lot of the knowledge of the rise with with some of the involvement of like Michael Jackson's estate, you know, some of those other different things related to the music and other legal mumbo jumbo from behind the scenes. I don't think that's really the biggest factor of any like super influence on it. But it just seems a little puzzling that they would do something like that if that is a legit thing. The other thing that I thought was probably the bigger controversy that I thought you were going to talk about was that this game or this compilation is not on the Nintendo Switch. It's not announced for the Nintendo Switch. It's only for PS4. Xbox One, I think, also PC, if I'm not mistaken, and a lot of people seem a little bit annoyed about that. And some of the reasoning might be because some of those games might be coming to the eShop at some point because they've had other eShop、uh, versions of some of the games that are included here、uh, available for people to buy, on, like 3DS, and I believe also on the Wii and Wii U, if I'm not mistaken. But I feel I figured that was going to be the one thing that you're going to bring up, but I still feel like it's going to come to the Switch eventually because notoriously some of those compilations are usually the last、uh, versions to get released、uh, that they get you know brought over to that console. And then eventually they're on every single platform. So as far as the Sonic Three game, I don't think that they're just going to leave that out. I mean, like I said, it'd be very weird to have Sonic and Knuckles and not have Sonic Three. Or maybe they do one thing where they combine the two games and have just the complete package like that. I think that would be smart. You know, because again, you get both stuff and you get everything that's included with that—the ability to play as all three characters. That'd be pretty cool. Yep, and you know, with the the Nintendo Switch thing, I kind of just assumed that they would sell it separately or just later on for the system.、Um, you know,、um, but yeah, I I agree with what you said. They're probably gonna you know tie it into the eShop in some way.、Um, Shouts to Mr. Max Muller who's just joined the show. How you doing, Max? Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? It's going good. How have you been? What you been up to? I've been good. I was just、uh, in the city for St. Patrick's Day.、Um, just got around to chilling finally today, and happy to be back on the show. Ah,、oh, so you got drunk last night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. A tad, just a tad. Yeah. So, um. At the moment, we're discussing. You know, we well, we first discussed Sonic Mania Plus and what's in that, and、um, now we're discussing the new Sega Genesis collection that doesn't include Sonic Three. So, do you have any thoughts on either of those?、Um, first of all, yeah, I was looking at the Sonic Mania Plus stuff, and as someone who absolutely adores Sonic Mania, like most people,、um, I'm very much looking forward to the. New update. I don't think I care much for the new characters, but what I'm really looking forward to is the, like the four player competition. I, I if I remember correctly, they're adding and then the remix stages because I'm always sitting down and just like replaying a few stages whenever I have the time.、Um, so just having more stages to play just sounds absolutely ideal.、Um, as for the Sega Genesis collection, they're not adding Sonic Three. That's kind of weird because Sonic Three is probably my favorite retro Sonic.、Um, 
I actually have it on Steam already, so I guess I wouldn't be missing too much, but that is kind of a weird omission to make. Do we have any idea why? Uh, JJ mentioned that it could be, you know, some legal issues because with the Michael Jackson estate because, you know, the, the music behind it and everything like that. So um, I think that's that could be a valid reason why. I think. Um, and I want to add there because, again, that's not confirmed. That's just me speculating because that's never been a problem in the past. Remember, that's always been somewhat unconfirmed. And it's only more recently, within the last couple of years, I want to say, that that's become a thing. Like, for, for example, uh, in one of the books that I did a review unboxing of Precious for, for here on the site, the Sonic 25th anniversary uh, book, they talk about stuff like that. They, they mention it. So it's been knowledge all around. But again, there could be any number of reasons. I really believe that maybe they're probably combining Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles together and having that as an unlockable. Like, that to me, that would make more sense because there's no reason to omit it for anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it, it could be any number of things. But I think the, the, the whole Michael Jackson thing is it could be valid because, you know, ever since, um, you know, he unfortunately passed away there has been you know back and forth movement you know legal movement between his family and you know um the you know the estate and everything like that like the people who own it and everything so uh yeah there's probably a lot going on there and that could be a valid reason but again we're just speculating so don't take any of that as fact um we also talked about you know max the uh the reasons why the collection wasn't announced for the switch so do you have any thoughts on that to contribute? Um, I would imagine it would just be coming later. That is kind of weird. That kind of reminds me of um, how the Luigi's Mansion port is only coming to the 3DS and not the Switch. Um, I would imagine they're seeing demand and seeing how many people like it and then moving it over to the Switch because, as we all know, the Switch is just the place to, to play this sort of stuff on, especially like retro games and everything like that. Playing them on the go, that's absolutely a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. So we thought maybe um, they're just gonna sell the games on the eShop separately or something like that. Uh, that would make sense. <laughs> be a thing. Uh, but yeah, Dana, any other thoughts to add on to that before we move on? I'm just upset about the whole Nintendo Nintendo Switch situation. And I think there will be a great market for that. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for there to be some type of release later down the line, maybe around holiday time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will see the collection in some form on the Switch because Sega have a great relationship with Nintendo now. So I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at some point in the future. Um, so, yeah, Nintendo fans, I'm sure you won't be left out. Um. So yeah, uh, let's move on to um, let's get into our entertainment segments. So um, Dana, I'm going to pass over to you so you can run us through some of the things that have been happening uh, recently, and then you know we're also going to talk about a big trailer that released this week. So go ahead, That's Dana. A tiny trailer. I think it's a heist movie about some stones. I'm not sure. <laughs> hardly yeah, even heard of like that. Something like that. Ah, Black Panther um, is still number one at the box office this weekend. It picked up another two uh, another twenty eight point five million dollars, 
which means in the U.S. it has accumulated $650 million. Worldwide, it has reached $1.25 billion. So congratulations to them, Wakanda forever. Um, Tomb Raider this weekend, which opened up, which was a very disappointing movie. I had a chance to see it, and it's based off the game Rise of the Tomb Raider, and it was very predictable. I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I thought it was going to be fun. There's a lot of puzzle solving and stuff of that they incorporated from the video game, but they also they incorporated the storyline. But for me, it just wasn't executed right. Everything was very rushed. You saw in like the first half of the movie, she's not very good at training, you know, with arrows and her even there's like a fighting sequence and she's just not great at it. And then all of a sudden, right at the second half, the very same thing that she was training for in the beginning, she's like an expert at. So it was weird. She does use guns. And unlike the video game where, you know, she flinches or she's like, oh, my gosh, that little moment that she has to get used to it. It doesn't happen at all in the movie. She just grabs the gun and starts, you know, shooting away and going for it. And she uses her arrow. And her arrow that she uses, like, she's running and she's throwing these arrows and everything is really accurate. And even though that we've seen in the first half of the movie, she can't even shoot an apple. So it's a lot of execution styles that's just off. The coloring was terrible. It was very dark. So it was even hard to see what was going on in some of the scenes. Um, the actress, Alicia, I can't pronounce her last name, but you, you guys know who she is. Um, she was decent for what was given to her. But for me, it was one of those films that would have made for a great Netflix movie. So I'm not like team yay for it. I'm just, okay. I was very bored through the movie. Everything was paint by numbers. I was bored. It was predictable. <clears throat> No one really surprised me. There was no type of twist. Everything you saw, it was coming. So it's decent compared to other video game movies. Compared to the previous Tomb Raider movies, I will say that it's kind of more well grounded in realism. Um, The action that occurs, there are sequences that just feels more authentic. Now, there are stuff that's like, well, in the real world, you know, she would have been dead by now or at least injured. And that doesn't really occur. But it was all right. I liked it a little bit better than what we previously got with the Angelina Jolie films. So it was okay. Would you like to see a follow up of the movie? Oh, it's open ended. So, you know, you're going to get that follow up. For me, I would not go out of my way to see it. Again, I would wait for all the sequels to come on Netflix. And it's like, oh, yeah, that movie came out. And, you know, it's one of those bored days. So you just go in and you watch it. I'm not enthusiastic about it at all. Nothing made me excited. What you said about the next Netflix thing is, um, you know, it's very you know, like interesting to me. Because I, I think a lot of these video game movies should just be like Netflix exclusive things. Like, you know, movies that come out kind of like the Cloverfield, you know, movie and stuff like that. Like, I think that should be like the platform for video game movies because a lot of people aren't going to rush to to the theater to go watch some of these movies especially you know since stuff like assassin's creed you know the movies just flop they tend to flop like and people expect them to be very bad so i think like that sort of thing is perfect for netflix and i think netflix should do more to try and secure video game movies as an exclusive for their platform so you mean you're not going to rush those theaters to see uh, Detective Pokemon? 
Hell no. I'm not even going to watch it, period. <laughs> I'm going to go in there and be a Squirtle Squad heckler. I'm going to start to rep the Squirtle Squad. I'm going to be like, yo, get this Pikachu rat electric thing out of my face. <laughs> um, and I think Max was looking forward to it because I know he likes Pokemon Go. Isn't it like Bradley Cooper voicing a Pikachu? Yeah, by, by the way, this <laughs> opportunity, Danny DeVito, come on, everybody wanted him. So, somebody over there had to have given Danny DeVito a call. Like, there's no way that could have not happened. So many people wanted it, but missed opportunity. I rest my case. Um, Master Jazz in the chat says he, he thought the Warcraft movie was pretty good. Um, would you guys say that was probably one of the best video game movies? No. I honestly kill not. when I watched it. I'm sorry, we're not that anymore. From what I heard is that like the super big Warcraft fans really liked it. So like it really catered to the ones who were super into the lore. So I guess in that case, yeah, it's good. But like I'd I'd say if the movie doesn't cater to people who know nothing about Warcraft, then maybe it failed as a movie still. That that's exactly what I was gonna say. That was my problem with it because apparently it's based on the books, which are what the oh, some of the games are based on, or at least some of the first few games that are based on books. That they're they're not really unless you know a lot about that stuff. I I really felt like you were gonna be lost, and that's how I felt throughout the whole film. Don't get me wrong, technical Marvel looks really good, looks pretty awesome with some of the battle scenes. But again, uh, if, if video game movies or video game adaptations want to be good, they have to reach out to that audience that is just coming into it, not having played the stuff beforehand and getting them on board as fans. And I'm with you guys in agreement that some of those films and other projects should be Netflix series, but they should be Netflix series that are stuff that have been proven at other places, particularly the stuff that they did with Street Fighter or Assassin's Fist. I don't know why somebody over there at Netflix hasn't approached that team in order to do a live action Street Fighter adaptation for Netflix, a series that's like a legit 20, 30 minute episodes per uh, per episode or per uh, season for that property because that's something that's proven. Even the guy who did the Mortal Kombat adaptation, the the the, the second or third uh, Mortal Kombat adaptation that was done on Machinima or on YouTube, that stuff should be over on Netflix. They Somebody should be going to those people and talking to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as for um, the best video game movie, I got two words for everyone. Advent children. Um, so yeah. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> it counts to me. But yeah, back to you, Dana. Yeah. Uh, so um we're getting the door of the explorer live action movie. I know you guys all can't wait for that. Uh it's finally we have a release date. It's gonna be August 2019. So it'll follow uh a now teenage Dora as she explores the world and navigate life struggles with her cousin Diego. So, yay that! Oh, I know you guys are excited. Um, Infinity War, before we get into the huge trailer, has already broken advanced ticket sale records on Fandango, becoming the best-selling superhero movie ever, and it only took six hours. Tickets went on sale at 6 a.m. Uh, PST time, and at this point, Avenger Infinity War is Outstripping the first day 24-hour sales of both Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the previous Black Panther. So, basically, it's sold out already. So, you're going to have to probably wait until next week. Not next week, the, the, the week after its release date to get, you know, more tickets. But if you haven't gotten your ticket now, most likely you, it's gone. You're not going to get it. Um, they are up. They are rebooting the grunge 
Remember that movie series? It's going to star John Cho. And um, it's coming out next year. And the same people are still attached. Uh, Sam Raimi, who produced the last two installments. He's going to be right there. He's going he's gonna to write it as well. He said he's really excited for the new adaptation. And that he plans to take everyone on a supernatural thrill ride. So if you're a fan of the grunge, it's going to start shooting in May. Uh, 2006 Captain America Civil War It fractured the Avengers in half As we all know Everyone took a side And even though the losing side Found themselves in prison At the conclusion of the film The final second of the movie It said it's going to start a new secret team Okay So when we get into Infinity War It's going to be like a flash forward They say And that even though Captain America and Iron Man, they're technically, you know, not on the same side. They still have a lot of disagreements. They're not enemies. They want everyone to know there's no enemies. The only enemy that they have is against Thanos. So obviously that means people are going to probably put aside their differences in order to go and go and save the world. So many people are wondering what happened to Captain America during that whole time. He's been doing special missions. So he's basically like the black ops right now. And he's been running it alongside Black Widow. And they've been globetrotting the entire time while everything is going down in the other movies. So Black Panther and everything else. So even though it's going to be a lot of tension, it's not going to be long lasting. Remember, we're going to get two films, Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. And by part one it's gonna be tension there's not gonna be that big fighting there's not gonna be that you're going back in jail any type of situation so anyone who's wondering about that that solves that and you have april 27th is gonna be the release date as we all know so excited for that one um clarissa explains it all remember that tv show from 1991 to 1994 nickelodeon it lasted for five seasons 65 episodes now, all of a sudden, we're getting a reboot. Um, Melissa Joan Hart, she's going to star in it, but not as Clarissa. She's going to be a mom. So she is, is she's Clarissa, but she's, she's now, you know, her daughter is going to be the one that explains it all, if that makes any sense. So she has her own family, and it's kind of like um, That's So Raven and the other reboot TV shows that we don't need. Um, a Wrinkle in Time, uh, Helm, uh, director, Ava DuVernay has signed to direct New Gods for Warner Brothers and DC. Um, I don't really like this news because I seen A Wrinkle in Time. She's not good at blockbusters. So for me, this is going to be a huge mess. Um, according to the description of the DC comic, um, New Gods is basically, it's about a billion years ago. A cataclysm split the planet Urugrun in two, forming twin planets of New Genesis, Sunlit Utopia, and Apocalypse, and now industrialized wasteland. Their populations became known as the New Gods, the immortal cosmos who existed outside of the constraints of the earthly time and space. Their populations became known... Oh, wait. Sorry. Uh, things were far from peaceful from the new gods of either planet, and they soon found themselves consumed by war. So that's what we're getting. We're getting, you know, basically two planets that's going to war against each other. 
and she's been given, you know, over right now they're saying over a million dollars to direct the movie. I don't know whether or not it'll be good. I saw a wrinkle in time and it was a mess. I don't really like it, but you know, good for her and she's climbing the ladder of success or whatever. Danny Boyle has announced that he is developing the 25th James Bond movie and um Daniel Craig is expected to sign back on. Right now they're just working on the script and once everyone's schedule's clear, they'll be able to film it. So that's not going to come until like another two years at least. Spike Lee has also been offered to direct a superhero movie, this time for Sony Pictures, and it's based on the Marvel character Nightwatch. So it's in the very early stages. We don't know what's going on. They don't even have a script yet, but he is very interested and Marvel kind of wants him. They're interviewing a lot of different directors and right now his name has been thrown in a hat. Um, for those who don't know, Nightwatch was introduced in 1993 as the alter ego of African-American scientist David, uh, Dr. Ken, Dr. Kevin Trench. Trench witnessed a costume man die battling terrorists while armed with invi- invisibility generating cloaking devices. The scientists learned that the corpse was an older version of himself and then went on to steal the futuristic suit of armor to discover the origins of his alternate self. The suit enhanced his physical capabilities, provided him with nanotechnology that healed his wounds, and the cape that responded to his thoughts so that he could glide through the air. So it's basically Doctor Strange's, you know, cloak. Um, me personally, Spike Lee is not that great of a director. He's pretty bad at it, but you know, if anyone's rooting for him, then maybe he'll he'll direct. And that's the end of, of the news that I have. Well, I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with that last statement about Spike Lee, but uh, yeah, that's a conversation for another time. Spike Lee has like, out of all of his whole thing, is like maybe a good 25% of of good movies. Of course, there's Malcolm X and and she's got to have it, but there's a lot of bad movies. There's Miracle at St. Anna. There's that vampire thing he tried to do. It's a lot of racist undertones. But if you like him, good for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I want him doing a superhero movie. To be honest with you, like I like now how some of the studios, particularly Marvel, has been taking a lot of chances with uh, directors that have been proven, but they're not like super big, big names. Like for example, Thor with Kenneth Brong, even though he was a huge, huge name, and it made sense for him to, to take on a, a property like Thor like that. But when you get something like with Black Panther with Ryan Coogler, granted Ryan Coogler did Creed. He did other projects that weren't super major blockbusters. And I felt like they're getting much more better quality movies and projects from people like that rather than going to some of the others, like what you said with Ava DuVernay doing New Gods. I don't know how I feel about that because besides Wrinkle in Time, like I don't know anything else that she's done that would be remotely within that same vicinity, you know, or a type of style of movie that would make sense for her to go direct a New Gods movie. Like, again, it just seems a little weird to me. Right, but the thing with Ryan is that he's an amazing writer. Even if you look at his independent stuff, his character developments is just spectacular and how he's able to just weave together all these different storylines. I'm just not sold on the other ones. Ava, for me, she works well with a, a low budget. Her TV series are amazing. Her documentaries are amazing. What she did with Selma, it was decent. I like that. But what she did with A Wrinkle in Time was not very good. 
Okay. Well, thanks for the entertainment topics, Dana. Um, a lot of good tidbits in there. But now let's get to, you know, the biggest thing that happened all week for us comic book nerds. So, um, I told myself ahead of time that, you know, when that trailer dropped, I was not going to watch it because we're, you know, we're basically just a little over a month away from the release of Avengers Infinity War. And, you know, I told myself, like, I, I don't want to see too much of the movie. You know, I just want to see the movie itself and I'm willing to wait. So the trailer dropped and then immediately all of my friends start talking about it in the group chats that I'm in and on Twitter and everything. And, you know, I tell myself, wow, man, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't watch this, man. I, I don't want to watch this. I'm just going to try and ignore these people. And then, you know, within five minutes, I was watching the trailer. I, I just couldn't help myself. So, yeah, I watched the trailer and I'm sure everyone else here did. Um, Max, did you watch it? Oh, yeah, I, I've watched it quite a few times now. <laughs> okay, cool. And um, I honestly can say that out of all of the Marvel trailers or just trailers in general, it didn't really seem to spoil that much. I can definitely yeah. say that I really didn't feel like it ruined much for once. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think they're being very tactical and very smart with these trailers. Like, um, we've seen Marvel play tricks before in the trailers. Like, they switch characters in and out, you know, that, and in the movie, it's, it's, it's completely different. So I think they're being incredibly smart with this one. And I think, like, you know, in the instances where they show Thanos with the, uh, you know, the gauntlet and the stones, I think that in some of those cases, we're not seeing the right stones that he, he actually has. Like, I think, you know, they're trying to throw us off a little bit. But yeah, um, amazing trailer. And it's just made me even more hyped. And to the, like, I, I woke up today and I watched a bunch of like videos and conspiracies about the trailer and stuff like that, about what's going to happen. And like, I'm just sitting there like, wow, I can't believe this movie is actually coming out in a few weeks. Like, you know, cause this, this trailer like this movie is 10 years of work you know 10 years of movies have led up to this and it's just amazing to see like even little things like seeing star lord have a conversation with iron man you know like just little things like that it's just like so exciting to see like you know when you've been so invested in all these characters and stuff like that like i still can't believe that they're all in the same movie so yeah um a lot of amazing things you know um seen in this trailer you know particularly the scene where captain america is fighting thanos like and you know thanos is pushing the the gauntlet right into him which really should kill him instantly so people were speculating about what's going on in that scene like maybe captain america has some other type of power or maybe he has one of the stones or something um because that should not be possible but a lot of interesting details in that trailer so i'm just going to pass it over to you guys so you know we can have a discussion and you know see where our theories about the movie are at so jj i'm going to go to you first what were your thoughts after watching that trailer uh, i'm hyped up more again the, the one thing i will say that is a testament to how good marvel has planned this out and their approach to every single one of these movies leading up to this now has been masterfully thought out and masterfully you know uh designed uh the thing is right now marvel is the most legit reason marvel studios specifically their films are the most legit reasons why the superhero genre of movies is not going to go away anytime soon because look at us now talking about it uh, you know in the way that we talk about the trailer and and the movies like right around the corner 
one of our biggest things that we always get caught up on, not just us, but a lot of other people in entertainment, is that we sometimes see too much. We're always complaining about that we see too much. But Marvel has gotten into a fun habit of making trailers, but like really playing with us and really doing things that turn our expectations on our head when we finally go see the movie. They did that with Thor Ragnarok, which is like the best example of that at the moment. And I think they probably did a little bit of that with Black Panther here and there. But Thor Ragnarok... There were certain things in the trailer that we saw that we thought was going one way. And then when you watch the movie, it's completely different in the context of everything else. You know, certain stuff has been CG'd out. Certain, uh, what is it, characters have been uh, swapped out, like you mentioned. And other things have just, you know, been, you know, changed around. Like certain things don't even make it into the movie. And we see that also sometimes with uh, Star Wars and Disney here and there. But Marvel is usually the one where I see that's the one that's worked so much more to their benefit. And people enjoy watching all their trailers. I mean... Even you, Gary, you said that just watching, just, you know, you wanted to see the trailer, you tried to avoid it, but five minutes later, you were watching it. And then you came out super excited, like you were ready for this movie right now. And I think we were all have been ready for this movie for already the last year or so, ever since that Comic-Con footage leaked out, that was a teaser that hyped everybody up. We've all been ready, but it just shows you the level of excitement that Marvel continues to have with every single one of their films. Even other stuff outside of Infinity War, like Ant-Man and the Wasp, which people are still talking about, even though they're not as hyped up at, for it as Infinity War. But still, like every single one of these movies, you know, people are down with them, especially if you've been rolling with it since the beginning. Like I have, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have as well, since uh, Iron Man 1. So overall, as far as the footage, though, I think it's great. Uh, I think that we got to see a little bit more from some of the other stuff that leaked out from Comic-Con, but in a much more different context. There has been some speculation and stuff pointed out that from the single frames that we could see some of the trickery that Marvel's been doing because some of the toys spoiled a little bit of the design of certain things involving certain characters, which again, I'm not going to uh, spoil it here, but like you could go online and look for it if you really care about it that as much. But like there's been certain things that have been already pointed out that we could see some of that Marvel trickery at play. So that leads me to believe that everything that we've seen right now, there's going to be some things that turn us on our head like completely. And I feel like Infinity War is going to be that movie that is going to meet up with the hype, but it's also going to shatter our expectations because there's going to be some shocking things that Kevin Feige and a few others, I think even the Russo brothers have said that it's going to change fundamentally the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think it's going to be in a way that we're not prepared for. And maybe that comes from the, what is it, the death of certain characters, maybe in certain things that happen that set up other stuff down the line. Because let's keep in mind, we still have that Fox and uh, what is it, other deals on the back burner that are still happening, apparently, or at least, you know, going through at some point that could already, for all we know, have already been figured out or they're setting little seeds in Infinity War to set that up. Because I don't think they're that stupid to just forget about that stuff, even though they've come out and said that, like, you listen, we have this story and all this other stuff. I think that still is part of the whole play here. So overall, I'm excited. I'm ready. I can't wait. I really enjoyed seeing all the stuff we've seen at this point, all the battle stuff, which I still think there's more. And I think in the context of the movie, it's going to be even more spectacular when we finally see it in theaters. Can't wait. Yep, agree. And one thing that was made apparent, you know, in, in both trailers actually is um, the teams are going to be splitting up. And Dana, um, Dana, you made reference to the fact that, you know, after Civil War, um, you know, uh, Captain America and Tony Stark had a kind of rocky relationship and stuff. But remember, Captain America did give Iron Man that phone. He sent that phone to him and said, if you ever need me for anything major, just give me a call and, you know, we'll, we'll fix this. We'll sort things out. We'll have a cup of tea or whatever. And, um, <laughs> like, tea. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe they had a cup of tea. But in the movie, there's actually a few scenes where we see Stark with that phone. So I think they'll be, you know, they're they're on good terms again, you know, at the start of the movie. I mean, they have to be because this whole this thing in affects the entire universe and Earth, you know. So um, I'm sure they patch things up pretty quickly and they stay in touch. And then, you know, that's how they kind of organize everything. And um, it seems that Vision is going to get attacked. We can see that from the trailer. And then uh, oh, we actually... that. when they put that stone in him. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, that's going to happen. Um, but it seems like they actually organize him um, and arrange him move going to Wakanda and we actually see Shuri from Black Panther and, you know, Black Panther's sister in the trailer. And she's actually looking at Vision and she's looking at like a diagram. So I think she's trying to figure out a way to remove it from him to where he can still live kind of thing. So um just seeing that was interesting as well, because we all assumed that Vision was just going to, you know, get obliterated straight away. Um, and Thanos was going to get the stone. But now there actually might be a way to save him somehow. Um So... Yeah, it's you know interesting seeing things like that. But Dana, let's go ahead. Let us know your thoughts. I just wanted to say um, what we do know, especially I did the interview with the cast, the, um, one of the randoms, um, that it's going to take place. It's, it's a heist movie. It's going to take place on Earth and in space. And as we saw, Wakanda. My whole thing is that I'm just so sad that we all know that it's going to probably get destroyed. I was very excited to see Shuri. She was one of my favorites from Black Panther. And I just, I love her so much. And I didn't know until like a month or so ago that she was the actress from Black Museum in the Black Mirror episode. So just throwing that out there. Love her so much. But um, I love the trailer so much. And I have to agree with you guys. They didn't spoil mostly anything, it, you know, stuff that we already knew, but they didn't really, you know, spoil anything. And I want to give a shout out to, to Voldemort who randomly made that appearance in the trailer. That orc looking guy. Oh yeah, Lord Voldemort. Yeah, he's yeah, the Lord Voldemort was in there. He's like, I was very confused at first. But um it looks really exciting. It really does. And it's it's everyone seems to be in danger. But we already for me, I we already know that everyone's gonna die except for the ones who's in the next phase of movies. So Black Panther's gonna live and 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 we're gonna get they they tease is gonna be like a sixty-two man battle. So that should be very interesting. That is like what I'm really, really excited for. And I'm really happy that they didn't show that in the trailer. And also, this movie is from Thanos' point of view, which makes it even more wonderful. That's something we've never really seen, is the point of view of the villain. So I I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that whole aspect to it because, you know, a lot of people criticize the Marvel movies for never really having a, a great villain. Of course, we just had Killmonger, which probably has the title now of the best one. But He's not you know, a villain. Killmonger was never a villain. True, true. But, um, yeah. That's what uh, makes him the best villain. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to be able to identify with the villain and stuff, you know. So. And for the record, Michael B. Jordan's acting with with Killmonger specifically. I think that besides the ideology, I think just the way he handled the material just was awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, he he really did a fantastic job. He nailed it for sure. But 
this whole angle of you know the movie being you know seen through Thanos's eyes or you know being focused on him I think that's a nice touch to add and we know that there's going to be another film after so it's like this one could be the one where we see through Thanos's eyes and then I guess the next one is like the conclusion and taking him down perhaps but we have to really see what happens uh, in this film to understand what's going to happen in the next one but yeah um i think that's definitely a nice touch and it, it you know it, it would be great if um marvel just ends off this whole series of movies with one badass villain like that you know because they've never really got it right before killmonger they never really got it right so the fact that they're now starting to understand the whole villain thing and get it right is is great to see so um max what's your thoughts after seeing you know the trailer um, so yeah, I'm really hyped, um, and as we said, the trailer didn't really spoil much, so I'm trying to think of like which characters are going to die and everything, and I have every belief that uh, Iron Man is going to die, I really believe he is, and I think that maybe Captain America will also die, but I don't really know, because that scene like you guys were talking about where he's like holding Thanos' Infinity Gauntlet back, like I feel like that's a very, very important scene, the fact that he doesn't die instantly when that happens and like Thanos that's like the only time you see Thanos kind of like what the hell is going on like how is this happening so like actually looking shocked so that could be interesting or it could just be like a few seconds and then in the movie like he just ends up killing him right after that (laughs) which would be interesting but um I also when you guys were talking about how they might play into the second movie I was thinking it could be kind of like Harry Potter where in the last movie where they split it up into like the first one was all the build up and everything. And then the second, and then uh, it ended like right before like the big war starts. So, well, I think there will be a lot more action in part one of infinity war. I could see that kind of happening though. Like part one is them like trying to get like, cause you said it was kind of like a heist movie, like maybe whatever weapon they need or something like that. And then like, right when they get it, the movie ends. And then part two, like, starts right after that. Like, right when the war starts, like, really breaks down and starts and everything like that. So that would be interesting. But overall, like you guys said, just the very shock and awe that this movie is even happening is just absolutely insane. Because, you know, we all remember when Iron Man came out and we were just like, oh, this is a really, like, really cool movie. Iron Man is still one of my favorite, if not my favorite, MCU movies. But... The fact that it's led up to all of this is just insane. And I just can't wait to see, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy characters interact with everyone. Like, I know um, Star-Lord is being, like, low-key kind of a dick in the trailer to Iron Man. So I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of back and forth of that and, like, fights between the new groups and everything like that, which would be interesting. I just, I wonder how much the different characters are going to interact. Because I this movie is only, what, it's still under three hours, right? Like, we know the runtime, and I believe it's still under three hours, right? I'm not sure on the runtime, but I do hope it's, you know, at least, like, two and a half hours, because there's a lot that need, that need to get through. So yeah. Two hours and 36 minutes. Okay. That's still, like, that sounds like a lot, and it is for a movie, but that still doesn't seem like enough for every single one of those characters to get decent screen time. Like, that's going to be really interesting to see, like, the kind of which ones end up interacting and stuff like that. I'm really excited to see that sort of stuff. Like, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange interacting, that's definitely a weird one. Um, And that was a pretty funny little scene there. So, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like Spider-Man is going to be very, very important, though. I feel like they're really going to push him a lot more, too, which is cool. I like the pairings. See, I can see Star-Lord, I see as being the Tony Stark of his group. 
And so when he and when he meets Tony Stark and he's like, whoa, it's like his first little comment. It's like this is, you know, it's a lot. He's basically I feel he's getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. But he's just like he's just like, wow. <laughs> he's like, wow, this is what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, as you said, it's fun to see um, Spider-Man and uh, Doctor Strange go at it, you know, especially when they're on that, you know, that whole science thing. I can see them, you know, learning from off of each other. That's really nice. And also, I want to give a shout out to anyone who is buying the AMC um, 31 hour marathon ticket that they're doing. So good luck to you guys. All 31 hours. I would totally that- do that if I was in America. That's is it all yes. here? I'm pretty sure you buy it and then you could go in and out of the movies that you want like throughout that day. I think that's cool if they allow people to do that. Yeah. Because no, I was going to say... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dana. Stay there for all of the movies. I'm like, they, it's unlimited snacks, unlimited popcorn, unlimited soda. There's bathroom breaks. You can even sleep there. Like, it's really nice how they set it up in the city. Oh, no kidding. Really? I didn't know that they, like, offered food and stuff. Like, okay, yeah. that makes me really want to do it. Wait, well, <laughs> what kind of neighborhood does this happen in? Because, like, if it's, like, a black neighborhood, like, they ain't going to have any supplies left after that. <laughs> That's kind of racist. Like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm just playing. But yeah. Um I I really wish they were doing that over here though. I would totally do that for sure. Yeah, because I remember um even when the Avengers 2 was coming out, I went to like the marathon of both movies. And I can definitely say by the end of that I was already getting like kind of antsy because there was like a forty five minute to an hour break in between them, but you had to like stay in your seat. Or like you could go to the bathroom and stuff, but you had to stay in the theater. And, like, I was already kind of like, all right. <laughs> so that yeah. would be props to people that can do this one. I know they did that over here for the, for the Harry Potter movies. So oh, they, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to see if they announce something for the Marvel ones, because they could realistically do it. Yeah, that's weird that it, that would only be here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. No, that really doesn't make sense. Especially... um. To you guys. But they did announce that it's going to be in AMC theaters and it's not, but it's not coming to Cleveland. So anyone in Cleveland, sorry. I'm going to have to look at Florida. Is it in like every single state, like except Cleveland? Um, so far it, okay. So here's the details on everything. Um, oh, it's only taking this year. It's only taking places at two theaters, one in New York City and one in Orlando. So you might be able to go. Man. Gotta go um, to um, for those who can, $25, which is not bad at all. Yeah, that's you get really to see all of the movies. There's snacks and soda. Um, yeah, pretty. You, so you get an Iron Man, all of them, basically all of them. Cool. So as for, you know, Infinity War itself, you know, we know that it's coming out April 27th. So have you guys already made your plans? Like, because to me, that's a very important day. So I'm trying to, you know, plan it with my friends and everything and make sure, you know, everything runs smoothly that day. Like, I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to wake up at like 5 a.m. Like, that day has to be perfect for me. So, like, are you guys already making plans for when you're going to see it? And are you going to see it on release day or are you going to wait, you know, like a week or a few days or something? No, Um, that's a big popcorn movie. That's a big popcorn movie that you take off work for, basically. And I feel like a lot of people are going to do that. And I, and it's understandably so because some of us have been waiting a long time for this. And I think that it's that big of an event. 
Yeah, this is like a, a big global event for like all the nerds. Like, I think all the nerds that day are just going to be on the same page globally. Like, so it's it's going to be incredible. But uh, Max, like, what's your plans for that day? Or for um, I don't know my plans just yet. Like, I'm definitely trying to see a day one or the day after. Um, but I don't know my plans just yet. I want to like, like you said, you have to make a day out of it. I want to like come down to the city and see it in a nice theater and like spend extra and everything like that. I love doing that. So like, I'd probably just take the day to come down here and even like see it by myself if no one can or wants to see it with me. I would still happily see that movie by myself in a nice theater. Like that's just that's just a treat that does yeah. not come around often. Yeah, man. Like I'm gonna buy like all the snacks that day, like popcorn, nachos. Um, oh, we're going big popcorn sub. We're getting the big uh, crunch bars. We're getting the nachos. We're getting the pizza. We're getting it all. Oh, I'm getting lots of hot dogs. <laughs> I'm even getting the Mike and Ikes. I'm throwing it out. And, and I'm, that's I'm, my like my bladder is going to explode because I refuse to go to the the toilet. You know, if I oh same because I'm just going to let it explode right there. Don't drink water that day. <laughs> like you're going to get a. You're going to get a, what is it, uh, a drink when you get it with all your other stuff, but just don't drink anything right, like, two hours before the movie. I'll try. <laughs> That's very hard for me. But, Dana, um, have you made your plans already to see the movie? I'm not saying, oh, Inf- Infinity War? Yeah. Yeah, when that, if, if that screener happens, that's my plan. Wait, screener? Oh, the press screener. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I thought you meant something else. But, yeah. Um, that's cool. So yeah, um, Infinity War, April twenty seventh. Definitely look mm-hmm. out for that. We're all excited. Um, the, the trailer was awesome. So if you haven't seen it, you know, for any reason at all, definitely go and see it. There's not really any spoilers. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much our thoughts. Go ahead. The MCU Dana. is on April twenty fifth, one thirty p.m. AMC Empire twenty five in New York City. Or AMC Disney Springs 24 in Orlando, Florida. So those are the only two. $75, and it will not include uh, Thor Ragnarok and Winter Soldier. Wait, why are they not including Winter Soldier? I don't know. I they, they It's not including those two. Yeah, that's important as hell. <laughs> that's very important. I, I guess I can understand Thor because it's like still kind of new and it just came out on Blu-ray and stuff like that, but like that makes no sense to not include Winter Soldier. But yeah, yeah, especially since that's still considered the best Marvel film. But mm-hmm. yeah, that is really really weird. And but Thor, you really, you know, you, you kind of need that movie too to find out what's been going on with Thor and you know that whole hammer thing and his powers and the ship. So it kind of his eye. Yeah, and I, his eye. There you go, the eye. That makes sense. But no, they're not including it. Yeah, I mean, for business reasons, I can understand why that. Because it's the same reason Black Panther won't be there, you know. But, um, yeah, Winter Soldier, that's, that really stands out. That's, like, really weird yeah. not to include. Um, but, yeah, let's get back to gaming now. Um, and we're going to get right into, since Dana actually talked about the Tomb Raider movie, um, there was actually another, you know, Tomb Raider news story this week. And they they announced that the third game in the, the new Tomb Raider series is going to release on September 14th. And it's going to be called Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And, you know, 
Um, I believe there was like a teaser video that came out, but I didn't watch it. I just remember them kind of hyping it up or something. Um, so if there was some kind of teaser, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but do let me know, guys, if you have seen it. But yeah, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. What are your thoughts on this, Max? Huh? So um, I haven't seen the teaser, but from what I heard, it's like very, very short. And all it really shows is that the game is probably taking place in South or Central America, which is cool. Um, I heard rumors that there's actually going to be tombs this time, which is cool. And that it's wrapping up her origin story, which uh, to be fair, I haven't finished rise of the tomb raider yet i'm like decently through it but like i actually never got around to finishing it and i can definitely what's that dana i didn't say anything oh sorry um i definitely i don't want to say i'm worried about the third one because i'm sure it's going to be fantastic but with the jump from the first to the second it was like they just expanded the world and just made it more open world and made like 10 more things to craft all these like extra things like all these extra little side tasks to do while like the core gameplay kind of stayed the same which is fine you know it's just i'm in a state where open world burnout is very real and i'm leaning more towards linear experiences not necessarily shorter experiences but just games that like monster hunter is a good example because that's still a really long game but it still like focuses on doing one thing which is hunting monsters you know you're not you don't have a million other things to do and stuff like that and i'm just worried that with since this is the third one it's just going to be an even bigger open world and i'm worried they won't like innovate in any other ways and stuff like that because i would love another experience like the first game which was like sort of linear but they were like open areas and stuff like that there were still collectibles and stuff i loved that that was perfect for me that was a perfect length a lot to do decent sized world and everything and i just hope this isn't some like massive world with just a million things to do i'd rather it be a focused experience with like just a bunch of tombs to explore and like really delve into the story and everything like that so we'll have to see that's my only quote unquote worry even though i have almost no doubts that the game will be fantastic cuz the first two are absolutely incredible games but um I'm sure we'll be seeing more of this Tomb Raider after. I, I wonder kind of what they mean by wrapping up the origin story. Like, if that means they'll be done with the games for now, or if that just means, like, this arc will be over and then it'll do something new. That'll be really interesting to see. But it's also really nice that they announced the game and it's just coming out so soon. Because we all knew it was coming, of course. Um, even though the second one, from what I remember, just didn't sell very well because of the way it was released. So hopefully this one actually does really well because they deserve it, in my opinion. But... Yeah, I'm excited. I'm. I don't know if it's one of those games that's going to get day one. To be honest, I never did that with either of the previous two, even though I really like them. I don't know why. It's just never a game that I've bought day one. But as we get closer and more coverage is released, I'll probably break on it. Plus, it's coming out at a kind of a weird time, like September 14th. I think you said. Um, that's like kind of, but for like the big fall rush and everything that's like a weird time it's also six days before my birthday so maybe i can even ask for it for my birthday if there's like no other games coming out that i want because i don't really ask for much for my birthday anymore so like that would be a nice treat so you never know but no i'm like excited for it and i bet it'll be good cool so now i know what to get max i'm good uh yeah um (laughs) yeah um like uh, it's cool that this game is coming out and you know it, i'm sure it has its fan base but i'm not sure what it is i, I think it's the marketing behind the game like because i recognize that rise of the tomb raider was amazing like i've seen it being played um i think i have it on steam i just i haven't got around to playing it yet and i'm not sure why because we all recognize that it's a really good game but it's like you just don't feel that 
sense of excitement when it comes to you know um people talking about it and i'm not sure if that's because them making it timed exclusive for xbox kind of took away some of the hype for for some people or if you know they just haven't done the the best job marketing it and promoting it and stuff um because it it seems to have lost a lot of its appeal for some reason and i'm not really sure why but yeah no i agree it's it's weird i think it's similar to like JJ and I, when we saw the uh, new Planet of the Apes movie, we said the same thing about that series. It's, like, weird. The movies are really, really good, but, like, no one really ever talks about them until they're out, and then they're out, we talk about it, love it, and then we just never talk about it again. You, you it's know what really I think it interesting. You know, you know what I think it is in relation to Tomb Raider specifically? I think it's more because people that are in the know of gaming and, like, industry people and journalists and stuff, they care about it because they know the quality of it, and they think that it's that big of a deal that they talk amongst it amongst that bubble of people but outside of that i don't really see a lot of other people really caring about it like that or as excited about it you know it being on its third iteration you would think because it obviously has a fan base there are people buying the game and playing it and, and and enjoying it but it doesn't have the same type of aura that you get from a lot of other big AAA games out there that everybody outside of this field is really talking about so maybe that's probably why you know that you see people talking about it, but it's still not not that crazy outside of that yeah, for even as long as Tomb Raider has been around and like a staple in gaming, it has, I guess, always been like a little niche still. It's always been more like people who are super into gaming that play it. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, around the time the uh, first game in this series came out, the remake, it seemed like it did have a lot of uh, casual appeal. Like it seemed like it did have a lot of hype and a lot of people were interested in it at that time, especially because we hadn't really had like a new uh, a new big budget Tomb Raider game in a while at that point. So like I remember it being kind of a big deal back then, but then around the time the second one rolled out, it's just like the hype completely died. And I don't know if it's because the first one had mixed reactions or something. Like because from what I remember, it was an enjoyable game. Um, I enjoyed playing it, um, but yeah, I just don't know where that drop off kind of came from or you know when it occurred um because i always thought tomb raider was you know one of the big names in gaming period like alongside grand theft auto and you know uh, metal gear solid and games like that but yeah it just seems like it kind of lost a lot of steam but i am excited to see it come back and i'm looking forward to seeing what they are going to do you know different with this one i think they kind of probably need to introduce some new things to it to kind of mix it up and spice it up a little bit make it more appealing um and more current for people i guess um and maybe they'll be able to get you know more people interested in that way if they you know have some new exciting gameplay mechanics and stuff uh what do you guys think that they could add to it to make it better uh not multiplayer i can say that for sure (laughs) Yeah. Did did Rise of the Tomb Raider have multiplayer? I believe they got rid of it in the second one, but it was in the first yeah, one. Yeah, the first one they did, I remember. I remember when they made yeah. a big deal about it and it just didn't pop off. Because I think at the time, also, Uncharted multiplayer was still a big thing. So they figured yeah. like, they'd do something similar because those two series kind of, not copy, but like inspire one another. But it just didn't take off with Tomb Raider specifically. They they had it for a time, and then I know the trophy list was tied to it like really heavily, and it wasn't all that great. Yep. A lot of them are. Yeah. Very frustrating. Um, in terms of gameplay mechanics they could ha- add, that's like my biggest uh, like frustration because I don't know. I feel like even in the first one, they had like 
all the things you would expect from Tomb Raider, you know, aside from the tombs, but like <laughs> even those added into three, like I'm sure that there will be like actual tombs in three. I think they really listened to us this time around, but even then, like that's still just more of what we have in the other two. It's just like in a more set and closed area. I really struggle to think of what else they could add to these games, which is my worry for this one. I really don't know. Like to be fair, I haven't like given it a lot of thought, but like just off the top of my head, there isn't much I can think of. Yeah, because they do run the risk of being stale. Because um, you know, Uncharted has kind of run that whole adventure formula into the ground. Kind of like um, you know, they've they've kind of excelled at it, and you know, um, like JJ said, they even inspired a lot of the things in Tomb Raider. So it's like to keep people interested in that you know whole gameplay um kind of niche thing um they have to really innovate on it you know to get a lot of eyeballs back on it but um dana what's your thoughts on uh shadow of the tomb radar um, are you interested in it and what can be done to make it I better i think that um it should have been an xbox exclusive they missed out out on that that would have been really? really nice yeah i think they missed out on it I think that, like, I, I think that there's a small niche of people who, who really enjoy Tomb Raider and they enjoy those games. And, you know, that's just yeah, what I feel. Um, overall, I'm just kind of over- underwhelmed by it. Um, again, there really hasn't been that much that's been released in the game so far that they did release. They were good. They were decent. But it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, if you play this game type of thing where, you know, it just takes over your life. But, um I'm I'm just waiting for more information. So just announcing a game right now is like, okay, that's nice. And I know there's like some Mayan pyramids and that's nice, but I just need a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm happy with the idea that um, Laura is, you know, much older and wiser and she's going to be more skilled. And I like that. And I like that overall, we get to see her grow as a character. And I, I like that. I think that this should probably be the last game of that series, and then they move on to something fresh with her. That would be nice as well. Um, but um, you just have to wait and see overall. But I'm like, it's it's like I'll wait and see. I'm not excited about anything, no. But I'm not knocking it at all. Yeah, yeah. Like the reason I questioned you there with you know the whole exclusive thing because i'm not against games being exclusive or timed exclusive um for me i just think that it didn't work with rise of tomb raider and it i think that was one of the things that hurt it a little bit i think the momentum was dipping anyway but um i think that kind of you know hurt it a little bit because then by the time it did come out on playstation 4 no one cared and you know there was only um there, there was only so many people on Xbox who was interested in the game anyway. So I think, you know, a brand like Tomb Raider is a brand that should be um, global across all platforms. Like, I, I would even say that it should be on the Switch too, you know, just because I, I feel like Tomb Raider should be one of the big brands in gaming. Like, you know, it should be one of those big IPs that you know is attached that is embedded in gaming so i think a game like that should be on all systems so that it gets maximum you know potential maximum reach you know um but yeah i mean it being exclusive i'm not sure if it would be so beneficial now you know seeing after what happened with rise of the tomb raider but um i yeah 
go ahead. I think it's also um, we have to remember that when Rise of the Tomb Raider came out, uh, Fallout Four came out on the same day as did StarCraft Two expansion, and then we also had Battlefront coming out a few weeks later, and then I believe something else came out right before that. Yep, Battle. No, something else came out before that, or like a little bit after that as well. Like Halo Five was in October. So there were just also just a lot of games coming out around that time. Whereas if I think that's also part of why they moved it to September this time around for the new one. Whereas I think that if it was an Xbox exclusive this time, it would fare better. But I agree that I don't think it should necessarily be one because we have to keep in mind, even though it's way behind the PS4, like the Xbox One still has a massive install base. But like, I just still feel like that that those players it's just it's like the reason game pass exists it's like a lot of the xbox players just don't seem to necessarily buy new games anymore they seem to play a lot of like the service games and like be more integrated into the ecosystem whereas playstation 4 players seem to still like be buying these single player experiences and stuff like that a lot more and investing in them more which is really interesting uh to see that this generation yeah yeah that's true uh jj what's your thoughts on all this uh, again, I think most people, most of you guys already said it. I mean, again, I'm not a huge, huge Tomb Raider fan. I respect the franchise because of its legacy. Uh, I don't know if necessarily it would have been a good thing for that series to be exclusive to Microsoft a while back. Because I remember that was a big deal at one point way, way back then that people thought that was going to be the case. I think it was a timed exclusive for Xbox One, if I'm not mistaken, at one point. And then it, when it came to PlayStation, it was a bigger deal. But yeah. for, for me personally, I don't think... I don't think it was a good. It would have been a good choice for the studio for, for Crystal Dynamics and, and for Square Enix and stuff to do that. But as it stands now, for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, or I mean, again, we'll know more details eventually. You know, as time goes on, and we'll probably see it at E3 afterwards. But uh, again, I, I think that the franchise is fine or the series is fine. Uh, I wish that maybe it got a little bit more more shine and a little bit more clout. Everybody could be as as excited for that or a new Tomb Raider game as they are with the Uncharted series. But again, two different teams, two different ideologies, two different levels of quality and approaches to different things that they do. Yep. So, yeah, definitely let us know what you guys think about that in the chat and, you know, in the comments if you're listening to this later on. Um, But I am looking forward to, you know, seeing more about this game. So I'll keep my eyes on it. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on, uh, microtransactions are finally coming back to Battlefront 2 in April, but they're going to be for cosmetics only, and they're also going to kind of rework the progression system a little bit as well to accommodate things. Um, so yeah, um, it's interesting that they're, you know, they're finally adding them back, but I think personally that it's a bit too late now, um, and of course, they probably had to do a lot of redevelopment, which took a lot of time. But yeah, this is something they really should have thought about ahead of the game's release. Like they, they should have really thought about the impact of tying all that stuff into the, the, the loot box system, you know, before and the implications that it was going to have, you know. Um, of course, it was a big PR disaster for them. Um, and they're still kind of picking up the pieces now. But you know, what's your thoughts on, you know, um, the microtransaction system finally coming back into play? Uh, go ahead, JJ. Uh, I think a lot of these changes are far little, far too late, 
you know, way too little effort put into it. I mean, granted, a lot of this is a reaction to everybody else's reaction to how the game was at launch and a little bit afterwards. I think this game is practically dead at this point. Granted, Star Wars fans are still playing it, you know, diehard Star Wars fans or people that just love Battlefront 1 and liked a little bit of Battlefront 2. They'll probably still uh, stay with it and you'll still see a bunch of people playing online. But I feel like they, they should have did something like this well before release or even a little bit much more closer to the release of the game. And then, again, have all that extra DLC related to Last Jedi and other stuff coming out. Because it, it, it's the thing is, I don't understand why they thought that the way that they did the progression system and, and the way that they were handling the microtransactions was any way to go about it with, with this game. Because they, I, I feel like that was a way too much of a risk. Granted, they did some stuff that was somewhat similar in the first EA Star Wars Battlefront, but it's just, this was such a huge turnoff, and I don't think you're going to get anybody that was really put off by all the stuff that they did at launch. You're not going to get them to come back, even with new content, because remember, we're getting a solo, a Star Wars story, which I'm pretty sure they're going to have content for that at some point, as well as also anything afterwards down the line. I, I just don't think you're going to get those players back. You're not going to get someone back like me, and I reviewed the game, and I love Star Wars Battlefront. I love Star Wars in general, but I feel like it's far too late for what they're doing now. And uh, granted, the microtransactions are only cosmetic items. Uh, I still feel like they're still restrictive as far as like the type of value that they're going to offer or the type of like, you know, stuff that people will be able to look into. I don't think people are really going to want to spend money on this game. I I really don't think so. It's it's far worse with this type of reaction and the fallout from what went down uh, more so than what was going on with Destiny 2, because I know Destiny 2's reaction to the microtransactions and that leveling progression system uh, was a certain way and it was really publicized and was really a trendy thing to talk about. But this one I feel is a lot worse and people just don't care anymore. They're just dropping it like a bad habit. Yeah, my question is like, since they kind of turned off the microtransactions, what has actually been happening in the game? Like, have people just been able to unlock everything through no. game currency here's or something? Here, here's how it goes. Because there, there's right before this change is coming into effect, and then now uh, with, with the uh, changes into effect. So before this, basically, you would have to play the game and get generate enough credits in all the game modes, but specifically more so online, in order to unlock uh, star cards, which are your different abilities and your equipment and stuff, and as well as also weapons and weapon upgrades. That's what was really the crux of the issue. And in order to get star cards like on a much more frequent basis and get good equipment from putting in a lot of time and effort to playing the game, you would have to spend real money to speed up that process or automatically get some of that stuff. And that created a huge imbalance online uh, amongst players because you would have people that maybe put like 20 30 maybe $50 into the star cards that you would get from the crates that you buy and they would get like all this beast equipment and all this extra stuff for their characters both the heroes and the trooper units and people that didn't do that or decided actively not to spend money on that were left at such a huge disadvantage it was like more so along the lines of like what you would find in a mobile game that's competitive the same exact idea and a lot of people were turned off by that so now what this change does is that it gets rid of that and makes all your equipment that you earn come through the levels that you get for every time from playing the game so every time that you level up with a specific unit or a specific hero or character or whatever you get a selection of equipment and everything is open to you as you keep leveling up the problem is though is that the people that already unlocked like really good stuff and things that are kind of op or broken or like overpowered for whatever reason 
uh, they're still going to be able to keep all that stuff. So all the people that spent money and all the people that put in the time to get those things, they're still going to have them. But you're still going to have those people that are still locked off from that. And there's no way to tell at certain points when you could get certain things to be on par with everybody else. The whole game is just unbalanced overall when you really look at it at its core. Granted, it's still fun to have those big battles and stuff, but it's not fun when you're getting killed so easily because somebody else had a leg up or had an easy out for you when the game first came out. They just really did not think well as far as uh, figuring out how the game, uh, what is it, how the progression of the game is actually going to pan out for every single person. The way they should have did it should have been from the original Star Wars Battlefront 2, where as you did more feats and as you did more different stuff, you would get points for that specific match to unlock different things, as well as also gain certain medals from completing certain things within the different matches you play with online and offline. It's just, again, wasn't figured out that well. And also, as a, one more side note, because I know I'm going long, uh, the money, earning the currency and earning the credits in order to unlock stuff without spending money, way too out of whack. You don't get enough for doing certain stuff, and they still lock you out in the arcade mode. You can only play the arcade mode a certain amount of times earning credits before they st stop you from earning uh, credits. So that means you can't play all of the arcade challenges in one go. You have to wait till the next day in order to earn all, so however many credits. And that was like one of the worst decisions that they made with it. You know, it was one of the things I criticized in my review of the game back then, but still, that's something that those are things that they. They, they decide to do those are design decisions that are just way too puzzling for me to really get like there was something going on over there at the time but uh, again this is all way too late this is all way too far removed from the release of the game and i don't think a lot of people care anymore especially with everything that's been happening with star wars now yeah interesting a lot of uh interesting stuff thanks for that uh breakdown uh, Max, you got any thoughts on this and the microtransactions coming back? Um, honestly, not anything that JJ didn't say. He pretty much covered all of it. It's just too little, too late. Um, at this point, I honestly don't even think it's worth the effort to make the changes they are making. I just really don't see it benefiting them much at all. It's a shame because, you know, Battlefront was always just one of the best franchises in gaming, but that's obviously not the case anymore. And I don't think it will be for a very long time, if ever. Yeah, completely agree. Like, I don't even think it's worth the effort. Like, it seems like a waste of money for them at the moment. But uh, before I ask the question I want to ask, Dana, um, you got any thoughts on this? No, everything was already stated. Way too little, way too late. Doesn't matter. Their, their whole reputation thing is ruined. Not ruined, but, you know, it's damaged. That game is damaged right now. Indeed, damaged it is. And because it's so damaged, like the, the, the thing I wanted to ask you guys is, do you think that Disney should legitimately strip, you know, this IP away from EA at this point and give it to another studio? I think that's yes. in the works right now, honestly, because there's rumors going around that they're looking and shopping for another studio to take on Star Wars games. Not necessarily the same like third person or first person uh, shooters, like what EA and what Visceral was eventually going to do and stuff. I feel like now at this point, you get away from that license, you let it sit for a while, and you go do a different Star Wars game. Like, if they wanted to stick with EA, go to Bioware and do another Knights of the Old Republic. Or go to one of these other flight simulation studios and do another X-Wing or Rogue Squadron game. Like, why 
like because Di- again disney loves making money disney uh is they're very smart people over there and i figured that you know with them because of the battlefield series that's why they went to ea and dice with about with the star wars license but now at this point if you see that a lot of people are down about your ip with all this other stuff happening with star wars at the time you go and you switch things up and i feel like that's the way that you're going if you want to tie it to the new star wars and stuff you make a rogue squadron or an, or an x-wing game based on the new trilogy on, on Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I feel like that's their next best option at the current moment. Unless they're thinking of something else, they could think of like a, a number of different things, I'm pretty sure. They probably have conversations over there. But I feel like that rumor about Disney shopping around and looking around what they could do with the Star Wars license in relation to gaming is totally legit. Yeah, because Disney are very protective of their IPs and I think EA really messed this up really badly. And, but we know they also have other Star Wars games in development. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the rollout is going to be like with those other games that they have. Um, and whether, you know, Disney would straight up just like cancel them and, and bring them to a new studio or whether those games will still come out. I, I guess they would still come out because, um, I'm, I'm sure they're probably pretty far ahead with them at this point, even though one of them we know kind of got scrapped so maybe they could scrap that one anyway because there was a lot of uh internal things that went down with the jade raymond game um but there was also another one i think that was in development so uh yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that and um, i think either way it's going to be very messy moving forward dana was you going to say something no just you know i don't see them bouncing back from this and they need to find another home for the game the franchise yeah I agree uh, Max how about you was you going to say something no I think that everything um, that I would say has already been said by either me or someone else about Star Wars I think that it just needs to be somewhere else <laughs> yeah and the interesting thing is, I don't know who they should give it to, because before I would have said Activision, just because, you know, with uh, with what Bungie has done with Destiny and Halo, I think they could probably make a good um, S- Star Wars game, but it's just about whether Activision are actually going to let them, you know, because, um, yeah, like, there was, a, there was sort of a negative reception towards Destiny 2 and... Um, you kind of get the idea that Activision might have kind of swayed things, the direction of the game and everything like that. So uh, if Activision is willing to just let Bungie do their thing, then I think they could make a great Star Wars game. But publishers always seem to get in the way. So I'm not even so sure if I would say Activision at this point, but um, they definitely need to give it to another studio. What was you going to say, Max? I was going to say that would be fantastic if they left Bungie alone with Star Wars. That would be absolutely ideal. Um, someone in the chat, Wolfflow, is saying CD Projekt Red. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, would they, be interesting. That would be amazing. I think the development time would probably be very long because um, they are kind of a small studio when you compare them to EA and stuff. But And, of course, you know they're working on um, Cyberpunk, and that's taken years itself so um it would probably be a long lead time for that but i definitely would like to see what they would do with it because they are excellent storytellers and they know how to make a game um but 
Yeah. Honestly, if, if I could just add one more thought, again, just thinking about the Rogue Squadron idea, I feel like you could go to like the Ace Combat team and, and do a game like that, which I also am curious to know why after the Star Wars Battlefront 1 X-Wing experience in VR that they didn't follow up with that with a VR uh, game, you know, based off of X-Wing, like a flight simulation game in first person like that. Like basically what Ace Combat did recently is what we saw that at E3 when we went to Bandai Namco, Gary, and we went to go check out their games. Like, yeah. why isn't it something like that hasn't been explored yet? And I feel like that's a layup. It's just something that if they put in some of the resources towards that, that could be something that people really gravitate towards. Or again, anything similar of the sort. Yeah, and you know, this is a bigger discussion that we've got we should have one day, but I think a lot of things in Star Wars haven't even been explored yet. Like I like even in the movies, there's so much to that world that could be there's so many stories that could be told in that world. And I think, you know, on the gaming front and in the movie front, we haven't seen the full extent of everything we we could see you know um they're starting to make more movies now of course we're going to get a look at the han solo one in a few months and everything um so they are going to expand on more stories within the universe and stuff but on the gaming front there's so much they could do and like you said the you know the um the the ace combat style game would be amazing you know in star wars and everything but there's so much they could do and um they haven't even begun to you know, hit the sur- scratch the surface yet with it. Um, Knights of the Old Republic, of course, was one of the greatest games, and you know you've got the MMO and stuff. And I think really the books of Star Wars are, you know, they've probably explored the universe the most out of any medium. You know, they've done a lot with the books, but yeah, there's so much that that could be done. It's just a case of you know them brainstorming and figuring out what will work best and everything. Um, but there's so much they could do with that. Big shouts to Mr. Richard Bailey, who's in the chat right now. Um, shouts to Richard. We are missing you. Um, and I hope you enjoy GDC. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, hearing all the stories and stuff next week. But we're going to get into our main discussion now. And um, this is an interesting one because we know that Microsoft bought Nokia which allowed them to, you know, take control of the Nokia Theater, which is in LA Live, you know, right next to the, the E3 convention center. So now, finally, Microsoft has decided to bring their E3 experience to the Microsoft Theater in LA Live, and they're promising the biggest E3 showing to date. So um, that's very interesting stuff to hear. Um, of course, that did come from their PR manager, you know, their PR rep. So, of course, they're going to put extras on it and make it sound, you know, amazing and spectacular and everything. And I'm sure to some degree it will be. I mean, it kind of has to be at this point. But um, I want to ask you guys whether this you feel this is the right move to move, you know, the the Microsoft show to LA Live and to the Microsoft Theater um, I'm surprised they didn't do this sooner, to be honest with you. And I think, I think most of the companies should move all their stuff to the LA Live area, like because it's hard for us when we go out there and we have to keep traveling all around LA, you know, to go to all these different um, press conferences and stuff. So I think everything should just be in the same area. But um, of course, you know, they they do get more seats sometimes at these other venues and stuff like that. So. JJ, what's your thoughts on Microsoft moving to the Microsoft Theater? 
I think this is good. And I'm with you that why this didn't happen sooner. I always said, you know, in all the years I've gone to E3, that that should have been a thing instead of having it at the Galen Center. Even though we know the Galen Center, we love the Galen Center. We love going there every time we see the Microsoft press conference. But now that uh, Electronic Arts is not there, they're not having EA play there like they did that one year. That place is just open. And at the time, I think it was last year, they had maybe some YouTube and maybe some Twitch streaming stuff. But if the Microsoft Center is right there, and you have all that space, why not have it for everybody right next door outside of E3? It just makes sense to me because then everybody else has to go further out away from the convention center uh, to PlayStation's conference and then also to Ubisoft's conference and everything else after that. So it, it seems to me like, you know, maybe they have a lot more bigger things planned than what we're initially thinking. But also, I just think it's going to be more convenient for a lot of people. Maybe also the public coming into E3 again this year has something to do with it, possibly. Uh, I mean, like maybe the spectacle of having the conference right there along the same vicinity as like everything else going on. There's a little bit of a charm to that. So that's pretty cool. But also, I, I feel like, again, this was always the plan, because why not go to a place called the Microsoft Center if you're Microsoft and you have stuff for the Xbox One going down? I mean, it's just again, it, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It just goes together uh, very nicely. So I'm, I think this is cool. I think this is a good idea. Maybe they got some really, really big announcements. Maybe we get more stuff on Crackdown 3. We meet, Maybe we get some other surprises on games that are coming to Xbox One this year. Who knows? But this could be a very good sign. Yep. Max, you got any thoughts on that? Um, Not in like particular. Um, I think it's interesting that they're moving into their own building and everything, and I think it's a good idea. In terms of them saying it's the biggest showing ever, um, I feel like they kind of say that every year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's gotten to the point where, like, with Microsoft and Xbox, you know, I like the direction they've been heading in. I still think they have a long way to go, and they're taking it very slowly. Whether that's by choice or not, I'm not entirely sure. But um, I just... I don't know. I'm not expecting... I'm setting my standards kind of low for this E3 show, just because last year I kind of had them really hyped, especially it being the first one I ever went to. And, like, it was still, like, being there was awesome and everything like that, but I can't... I still feel like overall the show was a bit underwhelming. Uh, Even though they showed, like, some cool stuff, like Metro, they revealed Metro and everything there, like, nothing... None of that was, like, specifically to Xbox and Microsoft, so it's just kind of overall underwhelming. So... Hopefully the show will obviously not be the case this year. Hopefully that will, it will be like their true revealing of everything that they've been working on for so long and like the next era of Xbox and all that sort of stuff. But like, I don't know. I don't really expect it to be just because they've let me down so many times before. Uh, I really think that Xbox's power here is like their slow burn and that they're really planning for the future with everything they're doing here. And I feel like we won't really see that come into effect in one big moment. I feel like it's going to be a lot of these smaller moments adding up, but I mean, that could change Hell, maybe they'll (laughs) announce the next gen console this year. That's like a 0% chance, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, they definitely don't do that. Please Microsoft. Um, yeah, that'd be bad, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Um, yeah, like you make a lot of good points there, and um, as Pimp Method said, you know Microsoft said it was going to be the biggest E3 show ever last year and the year before that. But my thoughts on that is, yeah, they've they've said that continuously, but this is the year that it actually has to be the biggest showing, in my opinion. Like, because this year can make or break them, I think. Because 
for so it feels like it's been like two three years we've been saying where are the games you know we've been waiting for all these games crackdown and you know um obviously scalebound got cancelled and you know stuff like that like we're people are really waiting to see more games you know on the system so this is the year they definitely have to they absolutely have to have a great showing and last year you know we heard that phil spencer uh, that he wanted to announce more games, but he couldn't because they were too early in development. So I'm hoping that all that stuff gets announced this year and we see some amazing stuff. Um, I do want to bring up something Richard just said in the chat, you know, a while ago. He said that, because um, he's actually been in that theater before, because I believe they used to have the, uh, the Nintendo show there. Um, and he said, that it could be problematic because uh, the seating there might be an issue because the seat is not as many seats as there are, there are in the Galen Center. Um, so he hopes that, you know, we'll be able to get in for one thing and that, you know, a lot of the, you know, the smaller sites and um, media personalities and stuff actually get the chance to go there because we know that the public's going to be at E3 too. So um, hopefully it's not going to be too problematic and, and, and hopefully it won't be difficult to actually get into the event. Um, Cause we've, we've had, you know, a lot of issues, particularly when, when EA chose to, um, you know, move to EA live that one year, I think that was two years ago, 2016. Um, they actually made this move too and decided to, you know, go to LA live and do their own show and everything. And that was chaotic and we didn't we actually didn't get in because seats were so limited. So this could be a gift and a curse, you know, because obviously it's in the same spot as the convention center and stuff, but also the seating is gonna be limited. So um yeah, it's kind of a gift and a curse for some of our sites out there, but we'll see how that works out. Dana, you got any thoughts to add to this topic? Um, I just hope that it's it's convenient for everyone who goes and that they're able to find seats and it's not a big chaotic mess because it looks very messy overall. And then you have the public on top of that. So whichever works best for the people who are going there, I hope it works out. My whole thing is I don't like when you brag. Don't keep saying that you're going to be the biggest show and the biggest thing you're ever going to see when the previous years you guys were kind of sucky. And, you know, you, you let us down. So my thing is just, just be silent. And be like, yep, we're moving the conference to L.A. Um, live, and, and that's just it. Don't say anything. You don't need to brag about how great you are when you kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also want to give Microsoft some advice. Um, now that you have your own building, please do me a favor. Do yourselves a favor and feed people. You know, like, especially if you're going to have us. This is all I'm saying, right, Gary? Tell them. Talk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're going to have us waking up at, like, you know, 6, 7 a.m. or whatever to go to the Microsoft event, like, at least give us some coffee, you know, some bagels or something. Like, because, you know. There's a Starbucks down the street. Get that at least. Please. uh, What is it? Aaron Greenberg. Is somebody listening to us? Please help us out here. Yeah, man. Maybe was was private and it was just press, but you can't be feeding all of the public. No, it is it's private. Spread. It is only press. They're, the public doesn't go into the Microsoft conference at all. Last oh. year they didn't. Feed the press. Make them happy. That's how you get on the press good side. Give them a little food, a little coffee, some donuts, 
Look, Ubisoft Marvel, does it. Like, PlayStation does it. I'm just saying. And EA does it. And they're not even part of E3. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, like, I mean, even if, like, they they announced zero games at the event, if you feed people, they're going to write a good article about the event. Like, we're going to be happy because we were fed. So There's an open yeah. letter to Phil Spencer. I'm just saying, be at least give me a cup of coffee to be alert during the conference. Because we get up at, like, 3 or 4 a.m. just to get over there, to get online, to wait for, for good seats to get, on to get into the Microsoft press conference. At least give us that ball. They should be handing out donuts, coffee... Anything. I'll That's tell you, right from the Microsoft Center, well, there's a Starbucks right in LA Live. It's right there. It's right next to Smashburger. It's right there, Phil Spencer and Aaron Greenberg. Come on. Oh no, they grimy. That's just being cheap. <laughs> what, Starbucks? No, no, I'm not talking about Smashburger. I'm talking no, about Starbucks. People doesn't feed you. Oh, yeah. If there's a Starbucks right there, you know, make out a deal. Some type of sponsorship. Yeah. Getting people some... They, they, they wear green, too, in Starbucks. That works out with Microsoft branding. We could do this. All we got to do is, what, get some patches on there? Come on now. We can make this That work. works. And that's, that hardly makes a dent in Starbucks budget. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, food in that area. So all I'm saying, Microsoft, is don't, like, make us get out of our beds early and not feed us. So that's a, do that's they a jack tip. That's a tip. Well, Say that again. Do they jack up the prices so you guys are like broke and starving by the yeah. time you're done? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Yeah, all, all the, the time. They're all the prices there with all the food spots, even the cheap spots like that you would expect. All their mm-hmm. stuff goes up a little bit. Not a lot, but but enough to be noticeable. Uh, the disrespect. Yeah. No, see, this is why Microsoft keeps losing and getting all this bad press. Yeah. So in terms of games, um, do you guys have any predictions at all? In you know on what announcements we may get, and what do you guys think the status is for Crackdown at the moment for Crackdown Three? Go ahead, Max. Well, Halo Six, uh, all but guaranteed, we're getting something about that at E3. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if we got a release this year. I th- I don't think I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I wouldn't be too surprised if we got some sort of release this year for Halo Six. I think that'd be cool. If not, I guarantee you we're getting it next year. Um, Crackdown, honestly, that's probably coming this year as well. If it isn't, then <laughs> I don't want to say they should just trash it, but like, I just really don't think that the hype is there for a game that's been being worked on this long, and I just really think they need to get that game out. Like I said before, I think they just need to release Sea of Thieves, Crackdown, and State of Decay, and just kind of get those done with, and then they'll move on to like their next era of whatever it is they're working on. But, um... Halo 6, uh, I'd like to see Forza take a break. I don't really care to see another Forza, unless it's like some crazy spinoff or something like that. Um, like people were thinking like Cops and Robbers Forza. I think that'd actually be kind of interesting if there was like a whole game around that, kind of like Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Uh, that would be cool. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of expectations for the show because... Like we said before, like they just don't really have many franchises. So like most of the stuff I would hope is brand new. Um, we'll probably see, we might see a teaser for Gears 5. We may or may not as well because we all know that's coming too. But um, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's just really a wait and see for me. I don't have much expectations for it. Does cool. anyone remember Halo Lens? Halo Lens. Oh yeah, yeah the, 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 the VR yeah. thing, the surface thing that they do in Minecraft. 
can they at least get something for that that's other than Minecraft? Apparently, um, I I haven't looked into it too much, but like I have some tech friends. Apparently, there's a lot going on in like the tech world with that, just not regarding games. Nothing would get. I don't. Why would they even release that and make like a big deal? Invest all that money. Exactly. (sighs) I think it's the brand with Minecraft specifically. Honestly, I think that was the thing at the time. And also keep in mind, that's a much more untested, unreally explored technology. So you're not really going to get like the experiences we want or, or the franchises we want attached to it when it's so kind of like in its infantile stage. That's like the first year of like PlayStation VR where there was like only so much that they had out at the time. And even then, like that's an even more kind of like luxury type of tech that I don't think the common gamer is going to care about. Uh, well, they, that was just silly to announce, make a big deal out of that. But yeah, sounds like most of their conferences. <laughs> but um, <laughs> also, uh, Rich just said this in the chat. Um, also, there's I could see them saying something about the playground working on uh, Fable rumors, if those are true. I could see that being like talked about during the show as well or revealed. Wait, wait say that again. Fable. Oh, Fable, yeah. There's a new fable like supposedly being in the works right now. Yeah, by the team that makes Forza Horizon. That would be good. When was the last um like full length um new fable game? Like, that was the one that was the one that got canceled. That was supposed to be Fable Legends, right? Yeah, that was that was like the four V one game. And didn't it get canceled like a month less than a month before it came out which was really Something weird like no it was a little bit more i remember seeing that at e3 that, that a bunch of us ended up demoing it at one point but it, it was like at some point they just canceled and it fizzled away and then you didn't hear yeah. i think you heard about the the on rails fable fable game with the connect and then that was it yep and that one from what i know was trash so i think the last like real one is, was fable 3 which was towards the end of last gen and that game was broken. That is the only game in my entire life that I can remember, at least, where I encountered a game-breaking bug and couldn't finish it. And I didn't care to finish it. I was just sort of going through it because I loved Fable beforehand. But no. Bad, bad taste. Bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, that could be a valid prediction, though. Um, and I'm not sure, personally, on you know some what exclusive IPs they might bring back. But I think they're probably going to get a lot of like third-party uh, big re- reveals as well. Um, we'll probably get to see a lot of Anthem um, shown there this year. And um, something like... I'm just going to pull something out there. Um, I think Bethesda is probably going to announce a new Elder Scrolls game. And I think it's going to be enhanced with you know Xbox One X. So they might get a big reveal for that perhaps um what do you guys think about that do you think they'll get much third party support this year of course like they always do and i think that it's that uh they get a lot from like you know some of the usual franchises that what we think i think also some of that they had beforehand that kind of flipped over to playstation like particularly with the call of duty stuff and, and a lot of the activision stuff but I still think you're going to get that that support from third parties here and there. Uh, I also think that maybe if, if we're talking like uh, first party franchises that that are exclusive to it, didn't they still release Phantom Dust HD uh, a while back on through Xbox Live? So I remember at one point that the the reboot for Phantom Dust got canceled, but wouldn't they still kind of go back to something like that? I mean, because again, you don't have you don't have Scalebound anymore. That got canceled sometime last year or whatnot. 
but you still have like other projects that were thought to be canceled a long time ago that they could always go back and revisit if they haven't been already working on them. You know, outside of the traditional stuff we would think of. Like, I still feel like we're getting a Banjo-Kazooie game from Rare at some point, even though they got Sea of Thieves coming up. And you still got other IPs that were tied to them and a few others related to Microsoft that they could still dive into. Per- Perfect Dark being one of the other ones. That's another Rare uh, IP. But, like, I know there was some rumblings at some point this year, even, that a Perfect Dark was being made. See, that would be cool, yeah, if they brought back um, some older games and names didn't okay correct me if i'm wrong here i don't know why i have this thought but didn't like a while ago phil spencer say something about like looking into those older ips and trying to do something with them he's always said that and i think that was more in relation to like the the original xbox and some of the xbox 360 games that are being done with with, uh backwards compatibility or at least you know the the game pass stuff i think he was more talking along those lines and then looking at that for inspiration but I think what people took that for or, or took from that was that uh, he was maybe talking about like reimagining some old series, kind of like what uh, Activision has been doing with like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro now. Like people yeah. would love to see something like that done with like a Conqueror's Bad Fur Day or even a new Banjo Kazooie or any of the other franchises that they could go into the, either the rare or the, the other types of catalogs that Microsoft has. Yeah, no, I I agree. That's a, that would actually be a pretty good idea as well if that he does touch on some of them. Um, also, do you think it's too early for, like, mention of, like, maybe Cuphead DLC or, like, maybe a new game from that studio? I think that would be cool if they said something about that. Yeah, they, they definitely should expand on that game. And if not, even maybe do a sequel or something. Like, they should definitely do more with that because that's one of the um, most celebrated titles that came out for Xbox last year. And, um, yep. yeah, it's, it's a really well done game in my opinion so they should um do more content for that i feel like like there could be some fun stuff that they could do with like a a new version of cuphead because i i agree with you that they should follow up with it because it was a hit clearly it was a hit amongst a lot of people like you can make all kinds of jokes with like an enhanced version of that game called like cuphead refilled or refill or something like that (laughs) but like you know you go along those lines but i don't think it's it's uh uh was it far off enough to make a new game i think they'll make a sequel to that eventually or, or they'll put that team on another IP, which I still think that they should go to Disney or work with Disney to make an, like an old school uh, take on like one of their classic IPs, like Mickey or Donald or something, like a like a Quack Attack or something, or Quackers or Gone Quackers or something of the sort. But I, I'm with you on that one about Cuphead. That that was that much of a big hit that if they're not already exploring that, they should be. It's also it's the perfect game for like a real expansion pack. Just like a normal old school expansion pack that just adds like two or three worlds for like maybe 15, 20 bucks. That's totally worth it. And that would kill it, I bet. Like, you're right, a sequel is too early for that, but like, I think an expansion would be perfect. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Another theory I have is I think that they might even announce a major third party game is going to come to Games Pass for a, a. period of time you know maybe not forever but like maybe for like three months or something like that because then all microsoft would need to do is like pay the publisher a huge fee to cover you know the months that it is on games pass and that would significantly boost up um games pass if you could get let's say tomb raider you know shadow of tomb raider on games pass for three months or something like that so i think they might go that route and do something like that have some announcements for game pass what do you guys think i think that's given 
honestly, I think that's given. I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal that they should make, you know, during that conference. If they're may, changing the location of the, the of the whole E3 conference, that means that they probably are going to announce something that, to kind of like commemorate that occasion, or at least you know, mo- moving over to a new spot is going to come uh, go parallel with that, you know, corroborate that. So I don't know. I don't think Game Pass announcements are going to be like that. It'd be cool to to have a few like surprises, but I don't think that should be the focal point. Honestly, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Game Pass becomes like their thing the next couple of years. Like if it becomes like if it does become their main focus, I feel like because like I've said and like we all have said at different points, they are really definitely planning for the future here. Like they're trying to just do their own thing and kind of get people stuck in their ecosystem so that when the games do come, like they have that install base and everything like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe not this year. But maybe even next year, they really start to push Game Pass a lot more and just make it like the place to be and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of plans with that thing, especially because all their first parties are coming to it now. Like, I'm considering getting it just so I don't have to buy Halo 6, like, day one. Like, and because I'll still be getting all the other first parties, of course, but like, I don't have time for most of Game Pass, but like, that alone, that's still like, if it's 10 bucks a month, I'm saving 60, I don't have to spend 60 bucks in one day to get Halo 6. As much as I would, because I love it. Like, that's still a crazy deal. It is. Yeah. It really is. And I think that that'll have bigger ramifications and effects as time goes on after it goes live. And, and again, after like a Halo 6, like you said, goes on that service and people really want it, but don't want to pay the $60 to like a GameStop, then that'll become a bigger deal down the line, like later in the year or something. Yep. And it's like, honestly, in my case... Um, I get, I'm reviewing Sea of Thieves for you guys, but like if I wanted to try it and not buy, I would have just done the free trial. And like still, I'm still getting to try out like, uh, State of Decay 2 and stuff if I go with that, cause those are games I wouldn't necessarily ever buy. Maybe on like a steep sale later on, but like I could just try them out now for f- full time and like just subscribe to the service. Cause honestly, $10 a month is so low for that. It's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's it's a really good deal, and there's a lot they could do with that announcement-wise, I think. So um, I, I definitely think we're going to hear that mentioned at the conference. Um, Dana, you got any thoughts and theories and predictions on Microsoft? Um, For Microsoft, um, let's see. You guys already know, I say this all the time. Please give me a No Mercy remastered, and I'll be happy. With life. Wow, you really want that game? I want that game. It's the best wrestling game ever. Is it it really the best wrestling game ever? Hands down, yes. I'm willing to fight. I prefer SmackDown 2, personally. Nah, son. No Mercy is much better than that, as far as, like, the experience. The thing is, later wrestling games, after the N64 games like WrestleMania 2000, WCW, NWO Revenge, and No Mercy, they got more into wanting to be like simulations, kind of like the UFC games are, and they lost the charm of what the wrestling games were. And they're more some of that stuff still lingered in the GameCube games, like Day of Reckoning and Day of Reckoning 2, and I think even WWE Raw, that was on Xbox One, or not Xbox One, the Xbox Original, like that. But it's not the same experience whatsoever. Thank you. That's all I want. Um, but other than that, um, I don't really expect anything that we haven't already known about. So we know about, you know, Gears of War 5, everything we know about. Oh, surprisingly with a new IP that I've never seen or never, no rumors, anything. Just nice. I want that. 
And is Death Stranding still coming out? That's all I want to know. Something new, No Mercy, and Death Stranding. Yeah. And I'm excited. Oh, no, no, you only said Microsoft, right? It's just Microsoft. Yeah, just my, just Microsoft. That E3. Yeah. Halo 6, we know. Gears of War 5, we know. Fable 4 is going to, you know, somehow grace the stage with, you know, a screenshot or just the logo, and that's it. So, yeah, that's the only three I, I want. Yeah, I do want to say, um, because Halo is so stale at this point, if they are going to announce a new Halo, they should probably open the show with that and not close it with that. How dare what do you, you guys think? They dare should you close say that franchise is stale. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, I mean, okay, it's not stale, but like, it's, we, we already know that that's the series they're always going to milk. They're always going to put out another Halo. So it's like, in we terms of announcements, it's not a surprise. Right. Well, we need a little break from it. No, yeah. yeah. You guys are completely right. <laughs> don't get rid of it. Just take a break. You know, that's all. Yeah, a but break is necessary. They should close the show with no mercy. <laughs> no, they that's should it. not. <laughs> don't lock my dream, man. It's my dream. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, I... Oh wait, no, you said Xbox. Never mind. Yeah. So just no mercy. I'm good. Cool. They they should do that though, because wrestling games are like speaking of stale, wrestling games are stale. They're horrible. There's not even just stale. They're horrible. They're just they're garbage juice. And they need a good kick in the butt. And I'm telling you, remastered, no mercy. That's gonna be the game. It's not even it's the game that people want. You know, and it's a game that you can introduce to kids now, and it'd be like, "Look, this is what wrestling games used to be. This is how we used to live, not this crappy little 2K whatever. No mercy. So do it." Yeah. Yeah. Um, my final theory is that, um, and they might close the show with this, but I think we're going to see. A new version of Scalebound with a new developer. I think that might happen. No, I, I don't agree with you on that. I think that game is dead. I think that uh, the 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 vibe around that and also the stuff that went on with Kamiya uh, behind the scenes and stuff and, and the way that he was kind of coming off on social media about the whole ordeal. I think that's shot. And if anything, if that game ever resurfaces, it won't be on Xbox One. I have a strong feeling of that. And I doubt I'll ever will because it just seems like there was such a, a bad vibe and, and the, the, the talk about it when that for people that actually saw it and played it. Because I remember that year uh, when it got canceled that people had played it at the previous E3 and they all unanimously said that the game just did not look good whatsoever. But doesn't Microsoft own the, the title and all the assets for it? I don't know. I think I would assume Platinum did, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, Max, was you going to say something? Because I saw you unmute. I was just going to say, as cool as that would be, I think I'm more on JJ's side. Because I was thinking that actually earlier when we were talking about predictions. But um, I don't know. If we do see it in any way, shape, or form from Microsoft, I feel like the elements would be there, but it would be an entirely different game. As cool. Because I, I miss Scalebound so much. but like, Or miss what it could have been, rather. But um, no, I don't know. I don't think we would see it as much of a shame as that is. Yeah. 
yeah, that was a big blow right there to lose that game. But yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Um, you know, hopefully we'll we'll learn more about Crackdown in the coming months as well, and what they plan to do with that. But um, for now, that's pretty much it. We'll definitely get more into predictions as E3 comes closer. So look out for more on that. Um, but that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap up the show now. Uh, and we're going to get straight into our shout outs. So Dana, go ahead. Uh, shout out to everybody who's listening to the, in the chat room, who's going to listen later in their car, at work, you know, at home, wherever you're doing. Thank you for listening to us. And, and that's, that's, that's it. I got to say, just grateful and thank you. Max. Oh, yeah, as always, thanks everyone for joining up in the chat. You know, we always have quite a few people in there saying stuff and giving us ideas and topics to talk about. You know, it's always a great time. Echoing what Dana said, thanks everyone for listening everywhere else you do too. You know, it's always great to have people listening to our thoughts, leaving comments and everything like that. For sure. And JJ? Yeah, sure. So shout out to everybody that's been uh, checking out all the new content we've been posting up on the website, on the YouTube channel, on iTunes, obviously, on our social media. We appreciate you guys. We love the support. We love the interaction. Keep uh, Again, if you guys can, please keep uh, sending us stuff on Twitter. Keep retweeting our stuff. Keep posting comments in the comments section of the YouTube videos, as well as also on the website. Uh, and also shout out to the Patreon supporters. We appreciate your guys' support on there. We're hopefully at some point we're going to keep bringing you guys more value, more stuff over time. Again, we've been doing a lot of stuff out here. I, myself, Gary, Rich, everybody else here on the panel has been doing a lot of stuff for the website that is a, get, giving a whole bunch of value and content that you guys should definitely enjoy. Uh, big shout out to uh, One to Turtle Beach for the streaming uh, mic that we did an unboxing for. Square Enix for the, the new set of the Final Fantasy trading card game that we did recently that went up today, earlier this morning uh, before the co-op. Uh, big shout out also to Review Tech USA, Richard uh, Muscucci, uh, who was with me on the TK Spotlight not too long ago that we had a good chat. He shared the, the show around and we got a lot of love from a lot of people. So if you haven't checked that out, I highly encourage that you guys do so. We had an awesome conversation about YouTube, about the gaming industry, about games media, about YouTube as a platform for gamers and a whole bunch of other stuff that you guys definitely don't want to miss out on. And then finally, shout out to everybody else that that just, you know, ride or dies with us. We appreciate y'all and hopefully you guys keep sticking with us. We got more stuff planned for you leading all the way up from now through all the way to PAX East. Can't wait. Cool. And uh, I'm now going to take some time to um, acknowledge our Patreon supporters. So special thanks to M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Nicholas Alvarez, and Miguel. We thank you for your continued support of the show. And of course, Himdil was uh, the one who won our latest giveaway, the Nino Kuni 2 giveaway, which was um, a Patreon exclusive giveaway, by the way. Um, just something to thank all of our supporters with. Um, so big shouts to all those people and congratulations to Himdil. Um, and shouts to everyone who joined us in the chat today. Um, Richard was in there from his hotel room in, uh, you know, in San Francisco. So big shouts to him. Uh, Ruthless Kid, aka Kieran Blackman was in there. Big shouts to him. Wolf Low and uh, Miguel was in there too. So big shouts to everyone who, um, you know, joined us for the conversation today and 
be on the lookout for next week's episode in which Richard is going to let us know how GDC was, how the event was and everything like that and everything that he saw. So, yeah, look out for the show next week and thanks for joining us. Peace.